Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks, I'm Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson, and this is uh, our final our final November episode, so we're wrapping up Wow Yeah, we're wrapping up Fastbender uh, Month, Fast month. <laughs> So what we're talking about today is 2008's Hunger Again, directed by Steve McQueen and DP'd by Sean Bobbitt God, masterfully um, yeah, this he's the cinematographer and the director of photography. Um, uh, and I'm just gonna burn through a bunch of cast really quick because there's a there's an amazing like range of really really high high end performances mm-hmm. in here. So uh, Father Dominic Morin is played by Liam Cunningham, Davy Gillen. That's the first prisoner the first we're prisoner, introduced okay. to. He's Brian Milligan, Jerry or Gary Campbell is the prisoner that he gets put in with. That's uh, Liam McMahon. Let's see, Bobby Sand. Well, Bobby Sands, Michael Fassbender, and is there anyone else I really truly care about? The, uh, the prison guard. The prison from, guard. Yeah. The uh, the which prison guard? The, the one from the, oh, the very first person that we see. Uh, Stuart Graham. Okay. His name's Raymond Lowen in this movie. Because I thought he was. He's amazing. amazing. The, the first prison guard we see. Yeah, the one who's. Is chilling his hands. Yeah, in yeah, the, yeah. In the, in the face bowl. Yeah. Uh, and then the riot prison. The riot prison guard is yeah, Ben Peel. He's fucking God, amazing as well. So that's uh, and actually one more shout out really quick. The twelve year old Bobby, the the young kid, yeah. uh, Syrian Flynn. That was a really for a, we we've talked a couple times about child actors. Mm-hmm. Usually doesn't pay off. <laughs> right. Really, really subtle cool work like you i watched this movie this morning mm-hmm. i watched like the first 20 minutes of it yesterday but then i had to i had a bunch of stuff going on right so i, I woke up early and i finished it this morning and there was that weird frank effect where i walked or i like walked around my house for like five ten minutes and i just didn't know what to do yeah yeah and i wrote I, oh god so i wrote down um i sometimes yeah my wife just she loved, home. <laughs> trinity loved it I, I the note that i have down is i wrote down i, I sometimes forget that film is an art form right when we're watching, because we're watching all these films, and it's so weird to watch Hunger and then remember Chuck Turner, yeah, and think that that Those is exist this, in the same medium. They're the same medium, but they're they're like totally they they aren't even cousins to each other. No, it's like an Archie comic versus like reading Shakespeare. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> I I um I think we've talked about it before when we were talking about Jim Jarmusch and David Lynch, mm-hmm. but um. When I like the like noise music, I'm a big fan of noise music and noise music isn't so much about like the narrative of the song or the notes or the chords. It's It's the feeling that it. Yeah. And also like being also also a guitar nerd. It's about the tone. Mm -hmm. Like you when you hear that particular tone, that tone, fuck what they're playing. The tone is telling a story. It's that's what's touching your heartstrings. This movie's like this movie is like a filmed tone poem. There's very little dialogue Again, in this movie. In this movie, Again, very little. It's super sparse. There's a great interview with um, uh, Stuart Graham, the guy who plays the prison guard, which is it's fucking awesome because he's like, he talks about getting the script for the first time. He's like, <laughs> like a page of dialogue. Well, and his character has like four lines, so he's like, it's this weird. It's this weird thing working with Steve McQueen where, you know, the script comes in and you're flipping through and you're like, oh, no, no dialogue on this page, no dialogue on this Okay, flip, flip, flips. No doubt. The first thing you do as an actor no. is highlight all your lines. Right, <laughs> yeah. and and it wasn't. He said it, and the way he was talking about it, he's like, it's not even my lines. He's just there are no right, lines are no for lines. Like huge <laughs> chunks of the script. But There's, in the description, it would be like guard does this and like 
paragraphs what of, you see on his face what he's going through yeah. like that's how that this script is written oh my God. and he's like, <laughs> right so he's yeah. like he's flipping through it and it's it was written by um endo walsh an irish playwright and steve mcqueen okay. t- together so he's Amazing. flipping through the script and he's like my guy says like he had like three lines and then he gets shot in the head right yeah, yeah but, but, it, but he does it's weird because he says those four four things or whatever and yet he has this massive arc A huge arc. and so many of the yeah. characters do mm-hmm. it's uh i think our prisoners that we get introduced to prisoner one and prisoner two because I don't remember what the names are. Uh, um, our first prisoners, uh, Gary. I don't know if it's Gary or Jerry. I think it's Gary. Right, because so, Jerry's the one that's been there painting on the walls. Yes. Okay. And oh, it's Davy and Davy and and uh, Gary. Right, because they don't even say. There's very little said between the two of them, or it's just their business in in the cell. There's a brief bit of. It's not even small talk. Mm-mm. It's just the. Uh, 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 Gary speaks to him in uh, Gaelic. Yep. And then Davy's like, I don't, I don't, don't, know, don't Gaelic. know Gaelic. So yeah. he's like, where are you from? And he's yeah. like, here's where I'm from. And he goes, do you know this guy? And he goes, no. And then he's like, all right, that's it. And that's it, yeah. And then the rest of their, a lot of their communication is completely nonverbal. The only thing they say to each other is, I think later, uh, Gary says, get ready. That's yep, like, that's it. Yeah, when the when the guards are coming down for the for the cutting their hair, and yet you watch a relationship develop between these two men, and you understand it perfectly. The thing that since we're there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I have notes that go pretty much chronologically, okay, but sweet. we can we can jump a little bit around because this movie is such a such a profound effect on me this mm-hmm. morning. I uh, this is the first time I've seen this. So that's right, yeah, I forgot. This is the I'd, first view for you. I'd seen Twelve Years right. a couple times, so I knew what I was in for. Didn't make the movie any less amazing. I'd seen Shame several times, and like I said before, I think I, I before this morning I used to think it was my favorite Steve McQueen movie. I think this is my favorite Steve this, McQueen movie. Oh my god, yeah, it was because I was really tired when I watched it this morning. Right, like and you I, were with Shame. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I fell back asleep when the movie was over, which was a bad idea because holy fuck, man, my brain was percolating hard on everything that I had just seen and heard. And, right. And I was, the curiosity of, of going back and learning what was happening in the, in the 70s and 80s in particular with the British government and the IRA and all of that. Right. It's a thing that I think... Some of my age, 41, very much aware of that, that was a thing that was happening, but too young to like really have a sense for it. Yeah. Because we, we knew about the IRA. We knew that there, was, there were bad things happening in the UK. And there was when, uh, this is the, 80, when were you born? I was born in 77. So you were pretty young, but I still was going young, on. But still, but like, I remember my parents talking about right. it. Right. And I remember like friends that had friends that lived in Ireland and like would would tell stories about what how things were going. But I'm a I'm a right. kid, mm-hmm. so it's always been one of those sort of curiosities in the back of my brain. Like I wonder what that was like really all about because you just hear about it and it becomes like like almost like folklore in a way. Yeah, definitely. You know. Um, one of the, and, and the, the historical background of the movie, when, when you came over this morning, I was finishing up my coffee and I was watching some of the supplementals like from a, the Criterion. A vintage news report. It's amazing. <laughs> we watched a little BBC, like an hour long BBC documentary. Like a, like a 60 minute special for the BBC. Exactly. Yeah. It's called like a panorama or whatever right. was the yeah. name of the show, but it's like this little BBC mini documentary, um, that they made immediately in the wake of Bobby Sands death mm-hmm. and the hunger strikes were still going on and the death toll was up to 10. Like 10 people had had 
hunger had fasted themselves to death. So finally, the BBC goes and does this. And one of the things that you and I were both struck by was the the tone of like smug condescension on the part of the interviewers and the the BBC news reporters where they're talking to these people. The language that they're using is so like condescending and it has a smug nature. You just want to slap them. Yeah, want to punch them. Like, dude. They're talking to these people who are like mourning and they're talking Mm -hmm. to people who represent the IRA and they're, they're like, well, we want the British to understand this very real struggle and where we're coming from. And they're like, yes, but you must know that this will never happen and this is just a total farce and these people are dying for no reason it's kind of stupid honestly right stop being stupid and Uh, you're like fuck you some of it almost felt like a python sketch i'm like are they fucking serious with how they're treating these people? it's crazy because you and i are both american right and this is this documentary is like shot in 1982 or whatever so we are far divorced from this neither of us have any stake at all in irish politics but immediately i'm like i am so anti-british right now it's (laughs) fucking ridiculous and it wasn't the tone of the remember this is a bbc documentary this fairly unbiased they are well well what i mean is the the tone is set uh, by them right the tone of that oh, documentary yeah, was becomes, yeah. yeah the bbc then, cut this together and yeah, they're yeah. like we look great in this and you're just like are you, you are out of your fucking asshole. mind they're sh- they're showing shots of thatcher like look how strong she's being and i'm like i i was i wasn't even <laughs> born by the time she was dead right and i hate this woman with every fiber of my being what a m- fucking misstep what yeah. an arrogant misstep in the way that they portrayed it, yeah. the documentary made me more mad than the movie I know, did. Right? Honestly, because the movie is a beautiful like the movie. The movie made me cry yeah. so many times. Um, but I wanted. It's, I'm glad you brought up the historical perspective because one of the things that I was thinking about while I was watching this movie, this movie does not really give you any very little historical perspective. No, there's none. Um, you get the you get a conversation. It's if it wasn't for the cars and the clothes, this could be a 2018. Yeah, that's film. I was thinking about that about on the like way over here. Abuse. I'm like, wow, this 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 was filmed to be in 1981. Yes, and there's no, no, it, it it's not dated in um, that way. The, in the but, yeah, I, just the clothes and the cars. The essay in here uh, in the 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 Criterion booklet, they always include like film reviews and essays by awesome people usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's a cool little bit at the end where the guy says, if you take if you were to change the ethnicity of the prisoners, you could. This movie could be this could a, be Attica or something. Or? Abu Ghraib. Oh shit! Yeah, because it came out in two thousand eight, which is right around the time that the Abu Ghraib stuff is happening. Right. So it's like if you just change their ethnicity, this movie could be about any prison abuse and any. Um, Anytime, any, anytime, anywhere, because they're still the IRA are referred to as terrorists in here. Yep. It's well, they t- took away their political. They aren't political prisoners, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. and that you you missed this part in the documentary, which is really for the historically interesting. Right. This is really interesting because their argument was about the semantics of British law, because they were arrested for terrorism, mm. and the British British law and statutes define terrorists. As political criminals who are arrested for like uh, uh, politically motivated crimes and politically motivated um, criminal activities. Okay. But they were refusing to acknowledge them as political prisoners, even though the crimes they were arrested for defined them as political political. prisoners. (laughs) So that's the whole nature was a semantic legal argument. And 10 people died. Because oh man, it's what were the five? What were the five things? Oh, their five demands were they wanted to be able to wear their own clothes they didn't want they wanted to be exempt from prison work 
they wanted to be able to uh, uh, like communicate with each other more freely. They wanted to be able to receive more mail. Okay. And I can't remember what the fifth one was. So very like sort of basic human needs. And- yeah. Yeah, to they, be treated like people. They want, yeah, they wanted to be treated a little bit better, mm-hmm. and also the a lot of those are um, those demands stem from the fact that they basically they didn't want to be held as common prisoners. They wanted to be held as prisoners, of, prisoners war. of war, right? Because when you the the under British rule, when you have a prisoner of war camp as opposed to a prison, you can you can march your flag, you can hold meetings. You're treated as an army rather, rather than, than as a series a, of convicts. Okay. So sense. their demands were. Essentially, a completely different set of, of rules apply, right? Okay. And they weren't even asking to be treated uh, to uh, basically to be not special as a, treatment, as a, as a well, yeah, but just so, different treatment, somewhat special treatment. But they, they didn't want to run their flag and stuff. That was maybe down the road, but basically they were just trying. They were fighting for essentially just more basic human rights, right? And so the movie starts. Hunger starts with their a protest that immediately precedes the hunger strike, which was called the the uh, blanket and no wash protests, which were they refused to wear any clothes because they couldn't wear theirs. Right, if I'm not going to wear your clothes, I'm not going to wear any. So all they wore was a blanket and they refused to allow the prison guards to clean their cells. And that actually stems from abuse. Right. There was a lot of incidents of prison guards coming in to clean the cells and attacking the prisoners and then just being needlessly a violent towards the prisoners and then cleaning the cells and then throwing them back in there. So they were like, if you guys are going to come in and beat us and then clean our cells, don't clean our cells. Right. And it, it elevates, it escalates very rapidly in the movie. So I think it's because you and I watched the BBC documentary. We're both really interested in the history, but I think it's important to, to underscore though, that this movie isn't about the, in, from, in my opinion, it's not the bigger, it's, it's not about the, the, the politics no. or even about really the the movement it's about the the people about yeah how we treat how humans treat other humans in a lot of ways and and how humans how humans struggle Find, to retain their grasp mm-hmm. on to retain some modicum of control in a situation out of their control yeah it's amazing what watching watching them watching these prisoners utterly degrade themselves in order to preserve their dignity. Yeah. Is in the walls of their cell covered in shit. That They're first shot. With magnet maggots. Yep. Uh rotting food in the corner of the cell. They're pissing and dumping it underneath the the door so that they don't have to sit with it. So, let's let's jump to the beginning cuz you didn't yeah. take notes. I had never right. seen the movie, but I don't I, want to take notes for Steve McQueen's. I'm back at notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Notes, I but. wanted to take notes because I'd never seen it, but I also cuz I wanted I wanted to watch it cuz I'd never seen it, but mm-hmm. I also wanted to be able to drive us through the yeah, movie. Yeah. So, my you. notes my notes aren't actually notes. They're just uh, like what the scene is and a reminder to talk about cool. it. Cool. So that first shot uh, not the first shot, but that first scene where the prison guard comes down, uh, Raymond Lohan. Mm-hmm. When Raymond comes downstairs, and his the first thing we see is him soaking his knuckles in, I think, yeah. warm water. Yeah, because he's his, bloodied. Well, the first one we see like scars oh, yeah. and like the it's they're healing, but he's soaking his hands, and you can see. Oh my God! So much of this movie is non nonverbal because he's soaking his hands and he looks into the mirror stares at himself and you watch him go through the weariness that this actor and again i would call this guy there there are definite there's a definite stance this movie takes but the, it's it, the lines between like hero and villain or mm-hmm. good guy and bad guy occasionally get a little fuzzy yeah this guy raymond the the prison guard that we're first introduced to 
you feel for him in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. even I though do. he is often utterly reprehensible. And he has evidence of having recently punched something. Well, it seems to be his job. Yeah. Like when you when you watch him, like he's the guy who tags the prisoner in the head to subdue yeah. him because he he's constantly he's not doing it to be an asshole he's like you're gonna be the one to hit the guy well well, that's the thing though is they all have devolved to this point where they just just wantonly beat the prisoners yeah there's so much physical visceral violence in this movie this is one of the most brutally violent films i've ever seen yeah this is this is by far more violent than straw dogs yeah this is there was never a good time for danielle to come in no fuck no this this not a single frame of this i did have to stop it twice because bird was downstairs and it wasn't the violence it was she has a weird thing about throwing up and okay. about chewing and mouth noises and a lot of this movie is like a lot of that people kind of. like mushing food with their hands or smearing shit on the walls and just yeah. that like kind yeah. of sound no, fucks oh, yeah. with her and i have i've got the speakers cranked because it's a steve mcqueen <laughs> yeah. movie and i'm yeah like, okay people retching oh, and people shit. like dicking dumping their hands in shit and she's like <laughs> reaching in their pants to yeah. get more and she's like i gotta crayon. go and people struggling to like there's a lot of like yeah. oh getting like yeah. So bird, yeah. your bird was just constantly like out the room. I'm like, fuck, I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it's, you know? sorry, it's 6 a.m. Yeah, you do. And and last night when I was watching it too, we we're about to go out to dinner, and that's when we get the guy <laughs> with his hands in his oh pants. And I was like, okay, we're gonna pause this right here. <laughs> we're not ordering the foie gras. Picking tonight, this up tonight, yeah, <laughs> tomorrow morning. Um, but that that first scene, we we the weariness. We see on Raymond's face where he's just you see him like because he's got to go to work. Yeah, he's like waking up to go to work and you see him look in the mirror like he's staring and you see him looking over his face and he goes. <sighs> and it's not like a geez, I don't want to go to work today kind of sigh. It's full. It's of, bigger. It's so much it's bigger, bigger than that. Yeah. It's just like I like I can't, I it's it's that weariness where it's like I know that I have to take another step but I just simply don't know if yeah. I can. It's amazing. And the way he sits down to breakfast too is has a weariness to it. He when he folds his napkin on his lap. Oh my god. He puts his napkin on his lap and his I think it's his wife sets and it's down his plate. It's a beautiful plate of like food of, of like bangers and eggs and, and toast delicious. Because he starts eating and we get this again this beautiful Sean Bobbitt strange detail where we realize that we're we're shooting under the table at the napkin from the side, but it's hard to tell which what? angle you're at. Yeah. He, he he can show you something so simple like a napkin in a lap and manage to frame it so it becomes abstract. Yes. It's genius. The 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 eye of yeah. that camera is fucking genius. And then the crumbs fall as he's eating. My I came back and had to amend notes because I realized at the very end of the movie that the crumbs falling are actually like thematically relevant. Yes, they sure are. We talked about we, we was talking about the nuclear the nuclear power plant yeah. or Chekhov's gun, and you're it's stuff that you never when Steve McQueen makes a callback you barely remember that it's and, a callback and it's so like it hits you with such yeah. effect yeah that, so because of the subtle nature of his setup the, for the payoff the, the wastefulness of he so these crumbs fall in his lap and we see him brush them on the floor and when you first watch it you're like that's oh, it's it's beautiful it's a pretty shot it's artistic really like that, but yeah. it doesn't really hit you and then when you at the end when you're watching Bobby Sand when you're watching Michael Fassbender like waste away waste away he's got the white flecks all he can eat is gruel or cottage cheese all oh, the bed sores and everything when he's fucking dying suddenly you remember how Raymond swept crumbs onto the floor. Yeah. And it's it's amazing. There are so many moments in this movie where all of a sudden... 
there's a hammer blow on your heart and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. And it's, and you, it stuff dawns on you, yeah. which is a super impressive, especially impressive because the movie has no linear, it has a like timeline of events, but there's another, another one, no there's, story. There's no sense of passage of time. It's a lot of it happens non-linearly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's like watching, it's like watching painting. It's it's it really yeah and the on the last episode we talked about Fastbender's face would be like uh, like a sculptor working a face in clay yeah and this whole movie is is like watching a painter paint and then repaint and then continue to just create this, it's this scene and environment for you it's absolutely in incredible poop. <laughs> like well that well we'll get to that because yeah. there's a there's a moment that like. I mean, probably the tenth moment that I started crying, but well, I, I think you and I are thinking of the same moment with the the shit on the wall, yeah. and it's fu- you're you're like your heart just shatters, yeah, completely shatters, and then fuck me, and then comes back together only to be shattered again. It's yeah. amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So there's a after this after Raymond has breakfast and he goes outside to his car. He walks down, opens Checks his gate, the streets. He, and he looks at the streets and the streets are like totally empty, which I think is important because uh, I, I realized there are only two scenes that take place outside the prison. This one and the one where Raymond gets shot in the head. That's it. The real world. And every time we see it's the real world for for someone in the. Yeah, well, it's de- it's it's and we found that out in the documentary we watched too. Mm-hmm. A lot of prison guards and police were killed yeah. during the hunger strike. Like assassinated, yeah, mm-hmm. by the IRA. The well, it's the the provisional, the provisional IRA. IRA. The original yeah. IRA is like from 1917. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a there's a weird feeling that I got every time we were outside the prison, which is the outside world doesn't seem any better. No, we see a totally deserted street. And a prison guard check under his t- car to see if there's For a bombs. bomb. Yeah. And then he drives to work and work is as c- cold and miserable. And and I like the touch of having his wife looking out the window and she looks. There's a when he turns the key and nothing happens. You can see, see her the relief. It's And it's not that like, oh, it's so subtle. It's just like God. half a breath. She lets yep. out and she's like, OK, right. today he doesn't explode in the driveway. Yeah. And it makes you. But f- then there's still that look left of, I hope that he makes it through this day. But isn't that, isn't that strange that we're about to watch? It's a fairly short movie. It's an hour and thirty five minutes. 30, yeah, thirty five. Um, and we watch. We're about to watch a whole movie about essentially about horrific abuse of prisoners by very vicious prison guards. Mm-hmm. And the first character we're introduced to and empathize with is a prison guard. Yep, I love that. This movie, it's, it's, there's no, there is a distinct moral stance, but the movie allows you enough leeway to see all sides. But, cause I think that that's so much more impactful. If they're just guards, bad prisoners, right, good, then right. that's, that doesn't have as much it's pull. It's not as interesting. No, but if you're introduced to your quote unquote bad guy, but he's not really a bad guy, it's all sort of gray. He's just a person. He's a person. That's and the he thing- has this, yeah. And they, but you were introduced to him that way, and that's and that makes it so much more true. And you know, we talked about this exact same thing in Shame and Twelve Years a yeah. Slave, where Steve McQueen <laughs> will show you people doing horrible things, and then the next remind minute, you that they're humans, remind them that they're just people, that they're yeah. humans. And uh, there's, I can't recommend highly enough if you can find the documentary. It's called The Making of Hunger. It's probably available on YouTube. It's yeah. definitely available in the Criterion release. Every time there's two interviews that are just fucking 
amazing. They're just stunningly cool. Uh, Liam Cunningham and Stuart Graham. When those two guys are interviewed, they're so... They have such a firm grasp of what McQueen is trying to do and why the script is important and why the film is important. And especially Stuart Graham, who plays Raymond, this okay. really brutal officer who he's constantly icing and, and soaking his right hand. Yeah. His knuckles are all fucked oh, he's up. Completely mangled knuckles. There's, there's that scene where he's sucking on his thumb and he, he, the, he has like no nails. thumbnail. Yeah. It's all fucked up and bloody. Yeah. He's this really violent man. And we see that violence and we see a lot of vicious moments. We scrubbing Fassbender in the tub and there's yep. such pure hatred on his face. <sighs> it, it disgust, disgust. Yeah. And like this fucking ant that you see this like weird moment. These moments he where becomes he could, an animal or he sees them as animals. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's amazing. It, which turns yeah. him into into an animal. Yeah, it's. But then we get these little moments that McQueen does so well. These tiny moments of relief. God damn it. I know. Is Carl, is this not? A fucking incredible achievement. Uh, yeah, I think this. Yeah. F- film aside, this is a, an amazing human achievement that we just watched. <laughs> really this movie is, is stunning. I'm about ready to like. I'm. I'm like almost crying right now. I've, again. I've <laughs> cried so much this morning. I don't know if You're I have more tears, out, but I'm yeah. sure you can see. I can <laughs> yeah. see tears in your eyes too, dude. This is. It's. It's amazingly beautiful. Yeah. It's. It, this movie is yeah. like peerless. It's fucking incredible. Yeah. But when. These, these moments of relief where we see the, and this guy that's what this guy Stuart Graham keeps talking about is he's like you read the script and you're immediately turned off by it and then you read the script again and you start to see and then by the 20th time you read the script you realize oh the role I'm playing isn't vicious prison guard right. or mean it's I'm playing person right. I'm playing this man Raymond Lowen who's married who has his you know his hands are always sore and he's always super weary and he, it, and he probably has really horrible nightmares I don't think I've ever seen a director there's a there's a stylistic edge to Jim Jarmish that disqualifies him from this particular okay. this particular praise. I don't think I've ever seen a director who does this as well as Steve McQueen showing without the use of dialogue, without the use of like linear plot or even like musical stings or score, just by the way he structures his films, the way he I would say composes his films. He manages to show you something like almost akin to real life. Yeah. I, I get that so many times watching his movies. Like you forget that you're watching a movie, and um, the, you become a voyeur. Like you are watching someone's home videos, or, or you're, or you're, you're literally ripping reality open and viewing this as it's as it's happened. Like it's yeah. it's incredible. The so right at the beginning, this we see when he he goes into work. <laughs> I feel like I still have mic tape. On. Sorry, it's like really <laughs> Carl did a show me. last night. So. We see him get to work and he's got the he goes to his locker to change and he puts he we see him put his keys in and he has the UK keychain. Yep. And he puts the UK keychain in and then we don't see him do violence, but what we do see is that sink and him putting his hands in and his knuckles are so fucked and up. And they're raw as fuck now. These knuckles are really busted. And what's interesting is this is a linear jump because we see the scene that makes this happen on like 40 minutes into the movie. Yeah. So this is this scene here takes place about halfway through the film, <laughs> but at the beginning of the film. At the beginning of the film, yeah. So he soaks his hands and there's this there's this amazing shot of him alone, no one's around and he's 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 basically panic breathing into a mirror. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And you're like, what is going on? Something really fucked yep. him up. He looks like he's about to have a nervous breakdown. Yes. And then at the last second, he gets a hold of himself. And then we cut to this 
stunningly beautiful shot of him standing against a brick wall in the snow smoking a cigarette and he's like a little bit sweaty the front of his shirt is the front of his shirt is sweaty and his knuckles are so fucked up and he's smoking the cigarette and like just looking despondently at the that falling thousand, snow it's like a thousand yard stare yeah yeah, he has like the, the exactly. He has the the post traumatic stress stare going yeah. on, and he's standing against this brick wall, and you're looking at him. And Steve McQueen I never. Feel sorry for him. I do too. He, Wait, it's fuck. What the what what do I think? One of the major powers of the film, one of the one of the strengths of the film, is they never explicitly say what his job. Is. We do see him hit hit prisoners several yeah. times. We see him soak his hands. So you assume that he's one of these the the violent like. Um, uh, uh, like he's uh, keeping them in line in a very yeah he's like a like a strong sense. arm yeah. guard basically he's the one that you don't want you know if you're bad he's gonna but pop at this, you one. at this point we haven't seen him do any violence but just seeing the aftermath seeing the aftermath the sweat so the, somehow the most disturbing bit of that is the sweat on yep. his shirt I was I was like oh my god he was exerting so much physical force on someone that his sh- his he's shirt pouring is sweat through. and he came outside to cool off and his hand looks like it just went through a fucking meat grinder yeah and you're like what has he what is he doing you know it wasn't a brick Dave. wall he was hitting he did hit a brick wall though that's exactly what happened to his hand <laughs> but um that is why his hand is fucked right, up yeah. <laughs> he hit a brick wall but like well that's what you're thinking though it's yeah like, it, it's something just like think about that this movie is loaded with violence and yet the first the first and maybe the most not the most but one of the one of the high points the violence is just the aftermath of something mm-hmm. we never we don't see at that point it's fucking amazing um at the choice to keep this is something they didn't shame to less so in 12 years a slave the choice to keep the the subject the ostensible subject of the shot is the guy leaning against the wall but to pull focus off him and focus on the snow falling instead which is later mirrored when uh bobby is out of focus and they um they they so they take they take bobby out of focus and show us a a like a floating um Feather. Yep. It's like a little, like a piece of lint or feather floating in the air. They do it in shame too when they pull focus off Michael Fassbender's face and he looks like this blurred, gaunt, black eyed Mm -hmm. thing and we're looking at a pole in the foreground. And just, I don't, I honestly, I don't know what the, what the purpose of that is. I don't need, I don't know that it needs to have a purpose. It's there for, he knows why. But you know it is, there is one. Yeah, exactly. The only thing I can think is that, is to take, when you put the guy against the wall in focus, he becomes the subject and he becomes important. Mm-hmm. But when you pull focus and show us the snow instead, he it's, just be, he blurs into the background, which is what these people are. They're yeah. just of the world. He's just another part, part of the part world. Of it, yeah, he's not. Like we're part of it. It's yeah. Yeah, like we all are. We're mm-hmm. we all kind of like in. We all imagine we're in sharp focus and the rest of the world is the background. But, no, but it's not. We're, we're all opposite. part of the blur, you know, <laughs> in the background, which is wild. Um. I uh, uh, small nudges to the historical uh, setting that mm-hmm. this is taking place, and when we first are introduced to Davy, and Davy comes in, and they don't write down political prisoner, they write down non-conforming, non-conforming. prisoner, which totally strips him of any political rights or political standing. And then they just stare at him. And did you notice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he says, "I won't, I won't wear your prison uniform. I demand to wear my own clothes." And you're right. The prison guards don't say anything. They're not like, well, we can't do that, Davy. What we're going to have to do instead is they just all sit silently and wait. And he takes off his jacket and he looks around the room and no one says anything. They're all just staring at him. Just staring. No one seems to be in a hurry. No. They're all just waiting. They've got all day. (laughs) And he takes his shirt off. He unbuttons his shirt and leaves it open for a second like, 
Are you really going to make me do this? Are you going to, you're not going to tell me I can wear my own but clothes? But there's, there's no movement. <laughs> they're not, no they're one, statues. They just look at him. Yeah. And the guy with the pen is just waiting. He's got his pen and he's waiting. And the, so he takes his shirt off. The he, guard by the door staring at him was like surreal, dude. Just it's like, terrifying. Yeah. To have a room full of authority figures, essentially, just just impassively waiting because they're like, you're not going to where they don't say this. No, but, but it is so heavily implied. They're like, you take them off. We're not going to if you're not going to wear our prison uniform, you're going to wear nothing. Mm-hmm. And he strips naked. And they drag him to a cell totally naked. And when he hits the cell, there's blood all over his face. And we don't see the beating don't that precipitates the, beating. God the damn it. It's that's terrifying. Uh, I wrote down uh, do you remember this the like the Sanford or not the Sanford prison experiments, the I can never remember the fucking name of it. It's the one the one where they ask questions to someone you can't see and you turn up the voltage and shock them every time they get a wrong answer. Oh right, yes. And they found that a huge percentage of people will actually continue to sh- to push the button that's ostensibly shocking the person you can't see until they die as long as someone in authority tells you to do it oh wow do you not hear about you've never heard of this no 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 it's vaguely familiar i probably have but this is kind of relevant and it's cool no no everyone should know okay so there's there was this uh a study done i think in the 70s i'm not entirely positive it might have been the 60s but it was previous to this Mm -hmm. where there's two you go into a room They've got a huge bunch of volunteers and you'd walk into the room and there's a guy in a lab coat with a clipboard and another guy in a lab coat with a clipboard. And you sit down and in front of you is a dial and a button, basically, right? And you you can hear through a speaker somebody else who's in another room. That other person is an actor, but you don't know that. Okay. So you sit down and they're like, here's what we're going to do. They're wired in the other room. They're sitting in a chair and they have electrodes all over them. They're wired up. And we're going to start at a very low voltage, like, you know, 10, 10 volt shock or 20 volt shock or whatever. Like a little battery. Yeah, a little battery. And every time they get the button or every time they get an answer wrong, we want you to push this button and they'll receive a shock. So, you know, over time. We're going to, and you know, as they, every time they get an answer wrong, we're also going to turn that, turn it up one notch, right? And you'd, they'd be like, ow, <laughs> okay, well, let's do the next question. And they'd ask them the next question, they get it right, and then they get the third one wrong, and you shock them, and they're like, ow. And it gets a little worse, because oh, the fuck. charge went up. And what they found was, and the, the dial is labeled like 100,000 volts. Right. <laughs> when you get to right, the high yeah, levels, yeah. it's like 290,000, 500, like these absurdly Absurd, high voltages, right. and they're turning it up. And the, eventually the person becomes really, the actor, the person that they hear on the speakers becomes really agitated. The person becomes really fearful, starts second guessing their answers, starts asking you to please stop and can we stop the experiment? And the people in the lab coats say, no, that's fine. Keep going. Go on. And what they found is not every time, but in a majority, a big majority of the cases, people would sh- people would push the button when the and have the actor screaming Holy and shit. crying and begging and oh my God, it hurts no more, no more. Then... At a, after a certain voltage, the actor stops responding, ostensibly because they've passed because out they, or, yeah, or yeah. died. Oh my god! They stop responding, and the so they're like, ask him another question, and they ask him a question, and there's no response. And after like thirty seconds, they're like, well, there's no response, so give him a shock, and then let's turn it up again. And they shock and turn it up again. Jesus! And a lot of people did this. Still just hitting the button. A lot of people turned it up all the way to the top and all the way to the top and because shocked. they're being told by a guy in a lab coat to do it. Somebody who is ostensibly in control, and it's part of an experiment, and we're doing this thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's an ex- it's an experiment. They would never, uh, whatever the justification that they in came your up. Brain, yeah. yeah, the point wasn't the point wasn't 
uh, like the specific reason why they pushed the button. It was just, are you able to do the mental gymnastics required to kill somebody? And in a lot of ch- instances, yes. Yeah, you most are instances, yes. Crazy, man. Which is insane. All you need is a lab <laughs> coat and a clipboard, and it's like, well, he's this guy's in charge and he knows what's going on. So far be it for me to right. fuck with his shit. I'm just Joe Nobody. Yeah, like, I'll just he told me to do it, so I'm just gonna oh do it. God. Shock, shock, shock. And there's a there's actually a couple of really interesting movies about that experiment where the researchers became severely depressed and suicidal after it was done. The people who came in and volunteered, like the lots actors of them, and shit like that. Yeah. Well, the actor was I don't know exactly. There was one. I think it was just one actor. But like the people who came in and did all the button pushing, a ton of them got super depressed. I think a couple of them killed themselves because they're like, I can't believe I would do that. Right. Even though they they realized that it was just yeah at an the end act, but, at the end but, like, but realizing that you're capable of doing that or would have done that right that fuck with you hardcore yeah, yeah. it's like if that was real I just, I killed, I just someone killed someone oh my god because of someone told me to and that that experiment or this scene reminded me of that experiment yeah. where this guy just because a bunch of people in authority are sitting quietly and looking at you you acquiesce to their nonverbal request. Yeah. The, just the compulsion of that authority that was such a it's a really interesting dynamic that yeah. scene because no one's like take your clothes there's a lot of violence in this movie where it's like you know like get over here we got to do a yep. cavity and all that shit but this one is just like you know just it's that weird like scolding parent or principal thing where it's like you know you know what you, know what you did do. yep exactly you know what you have to do fuck Oh my god It's I know It's disc- it's it's upsetting Yeah it really it's is It's really upsetting And that was The first of three scenes That Danielle Walked past the TV And she's like What the fuck are you watching? What are you watching <laughs> Damn it Carl Are you watching Nazi porn What is this Well I told I told uh, Danielle Last night at the show I was like Well next month We got Die Hard and <laughs> Yeah no, so it's we gotta, be, We're lightening we're, Lightening it up a little bit Yeah it's gonna be so fun Cause she's walked by 12 years of slave shame And hunger now And she's <laughs> like And before that it's Straw Dogs She's like I'm moving out She's like I can't you guys gotta lighten this show up a little bit. Um, so this is this is where we're first introduced to the cell smeared with shit. Yeah, because they, they throw him in a cell and it's so dark. And they do this. Uh, uh, McQueen and Bobbitt do this amazing panning shot of the whole cell mm-hmm. and floor to ceiling. It's when I first saw it, I didn't know what it was. I at didn't first. know either. And then my brain is clicking on and going, "Oh, don't let that can't be shit." Is that sh- yeah? Oh my god, yeah. It's there's like yeah. you're right. It's like 10, 10 seconds and you're yeah. like this is a really dirty cell or like the paint is weird cuz we we watched Bronson for season right. 0 and yep. that that cell looked fucked up but wasn't But it was just shit. dirty and old and hadn't yeah, been Yeah, so I'm like, paint. man, these are deplorable conditions and then you start to see like clumps. Yes. And particular, particular smears, patterns, you see hands yes. in it and you're like, "Oh my god, the whole cell is completely smeared with shit." And then when we get to the end, we dip down and there's a bearded, long-haired dude sitting against the shit-smeared wall, and he looks up, and you're like, oh, oh fuck. fuck. Yeah. What's equally amazing is there is no reaction of disgust, really. Of, On like, Davy's part, no. No. Because he, know, he knows about these protests. Yep. Coming in. he understands that. Yeah. Because I walk in that cell, I'm like... I'm like, what is wrong with you, fucking freak? Are you shitting? I need another wall? cell because this guy sh- rubbed shit all over everything. Yeah, yeah. But he understands what's going on, um, and immediately, I, I actually have a note. My net, my next note. Um, well, actually, I'll I'll hold it for one second, but yeah. I want to come back to to this to Davy's reaction and to the the non the non speaking um, 
uh, connection between these two men is really remarkable, and all of the IRA, the the provisional IRA prisoners who are who we see in the movie, but um, that the the fact that he's leaning against the shit smeared wall, and Davy immediately does the same. Davy sits down and leans against yep. the wall. You're just you're. It, it almost defies comprehension. Yeah, he he immediately accepts the space. Yeah, the 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 situation because he I think he knows what he's getting into because there's already a bunch of IRA prisoners. He's mm-hmm. the, just the newest one, and they've everyone outside has heard of the no wash no blanket because they found out that that protest has been going on for four years. Holy shit! Think about that. That's a four year old shit wall Ugh. that you got right there. That's that's some old shit. Got it. So the the next shot is Davy playing with the fly. Mm-hmm. Well, right, because they have the rip. The, the there's a little a hole in the in the in the in the cage of the window. Kind of, yeah. Where it's he a, can sort of reach out a little bit. It's a there's like yeah, the there, it, there's like uh, grating. Yeah, the grating has been sort of split. Split. It's yeah. not very big. Like you can fit you an fit, arm through yeah. it, but so there's a he Davy that that shot's pretty long too. Mm-hmm. It's like f- probably four minutes of Davy playing with this. So this there's a fly that lands on the grate, and Davy goes to touch it with his finger. Just this living thing yeah and the can't get it on his finger and then the fly like moves to a different part of the gray and he moves his finger after it and then the fly falls down two grains and he moves his finger down and he just he's playing with this fly and mcqueen and bobbit are just like yeah let's do this let's do that let's do this if that's what's happening let's just keep doing that i almost felt watching it that a fly just showed up and the actor started playing with the fly because you can't you don't have a fly wrangler on set you might (laughs) you never know I'm so glad you said something because that was my exact thought. I was, was like, like, did they have a fucking fly wrangler? Because, like, where would you get that? Judy's, Judy's, looking, Judy's looking specially active today. Let's get Judy Judy's out. Fly. <laughs> Judy's. Yeah, well, since they only live for 24 hours, right. we have to really pick out the, the photogenic flies right. really early in their life cycle. She's looking real good. Well, was that a movie we just watched? Uh, I think it was Hellblit in uh, Hell... Uh, uh, Constantine. In oh. the movie Constantine, they have a cockroach wrangler. In that oh movie. yeah. Well, they, <laughs> dude, they they have one that like the guy in Hollywood. If, like there was a documentary about him. He has like crates and crates, like a warehouse full of co- and he like names them all. And like wow. has, yeah, it's fucking insane. How fun man. for him. Yeah. <laughs> Good, he found his niche. Right. <laughs> but um, so Davy. So there's there's something about that. There's there's the scene with the snow. There's the scene where Davy's playing with the fly. In shame, there's Michael Fassbender running. It's a, there's running in this too. There is running in this too. We've we've talked about the 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 McQueen Bobbit long shot, and it never ceases to be effective. And I think it's part of what gives this film that feeling of art. Mm-hmm. Like this is. You're, I'm not sitting down to watch a movie. Like there's there's always the jokes about the cinephiles who do you call it a film? Do you right. call it a picture? Do right. you call it a movie? What, whatever the a flick. A flick, yeah. This this is a. I, I would even hesitate to call this a film. Yeah. It feels like a, a piece of art. This feels like artwork. It's a motion picture. It technically is a motion picture, but it fe- that somehow doesn't. Fe- None of the terms feel big no. enough for what this is and what it accomplishes. Watching Davy play with that fly was the first time I cried in the movie because it's just because it happens for so long and part of part of what makes the long shot in this really effective is it shows you the the boredom of prison the length because in a He's lot of in for six his his cellmates in for, for 12. 12 but a lot in a lot of prison movies it's like you cut from like lunchroom scene where shit's getting real cut to the yard where a fight's happening yeah. cut to you don't see the 10 hours where nothing at all happens 
because that's what prison is. He's Pri- sitting. Sitting in a room, and these guys are sitting in a room smeared with shit, not talking to each other for five, five hours at a clip, eight hours at a clip. That's that's not real. That doesn't ever come across in prison movies because it's boring. Because it's boring. You're gonna, you're asking your audience to sit there and do nothing and do nothing. Yeah. And Steve McQueen is like, hey, you know how we're gonna have you sit? Do you know how do nothing? You know how bored yeah. Davy is? Davy's playing with a fly for five minutes. Why don't we watch? Yeah. Watch Davy play with the fly, and then the fly falls on the ground, and Davy he doesn't even react and like, oh my poor fly. He just like, takes hmm. his hand back out and puts it back outside. Yep. And you're like, the the. The psychic strain of doing nothing yeah. all the time. And that's, that, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful and that was though. that was a moment of entertainment for him. The was, fly playing was, with hey, a little fly playing with a fly on cool. sharp steel. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> um, so then they, we find out that they have taken they've taken their food scraps and throw them in the corner so that they like start to half compost down into like this weird paste, and they use this paste to create strips around their door to make a well. And then they take the bucket of piss and like some of the shit that they're not putting on the walls Mm -hmm. and they've let it liquesce into this horribly disgusting like urine bucket and they pour it into that reservoir so it floods out under the door into the corridor. All of the prisons are doing it. At the same time, all the cells are doing it. At all the, same the cells time. do it at the same time. So they, Amazing. so they flood the corridor with piss like once a week. Yep, and that's a, that's a, that's a little bit of protest that they can they can do. There's a lot of really flood cool the moments. flood the hallway that those guards have to walk down with their piss. Right. Yeah. That's it's amazing and um, like. <laughs> Well, you use what you've got, you know? It's like, so, holy fuck, what, what can you do? Oh, I'm going to fucking make them walk in my piss is what I'm going to do. Yeah, they're like, like, I mean, they're not like, you know, this isn't them like shanking guards, but they're like, yeah. you know what would make the guards' lives harder and more shitty? If we used our rotting food to make funnels, essentially, mm-hmm. so we can flood the hallway with piss. Yeah. There, they have to clean that up. There you guys go. Clean that <laughs> Enjoy up. that. Um, I, actually, I I remember what I was gonna say and I forgot. On that BBC documentary before you got here, they showed two of the hunger striking prisoners in their cell. Oh shit! Uh, Steve McQueen did not exaggerate how much shit was on the walls. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I'm dead deadly serious. When they they show you inside the cell and it looks like like someone finger painted the entire cell in like brown clumpy paint. The walls were literally exactly oh how they God. looked like in the movie. I was I was afraid that that was the case. Yeah, like because watching the movie, when you see the cell, you don't believe it. No, and then I watched don't. the BBC documentary, and they sh- they walk into a cell and show you two of these starving prisoners. They look like Davy and Gary in their 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 Just wrapped blankets. in a blanket, and so they they've got that gaunt long hair beards because they're not cutting their hair or shaving, and literally it looked exactly like that. Fucking. Oh smeared. It was insane. It's it's absolutely it was absolutely disgusting, and not disgusting. Like how could these men do this? Disgusting. How could a governmental body be so unfeeling as to let these conditions continue, continue rather mm-hmm. than acquiesce to fairly simple demands? Right. It was fucked up, dude. Um. So my this is the note I wanted to talk about like two minutes ago. Yeah. Piss under the doors, rotting food, smearing shit on the walls. Snorting a message into your sinus because we've see, we just saw Davy wrap that message yep. up and he <laughs> sucks it up into like his nasal passages. Yep. And you can see him settle it too. He like swallows and yep, breathes in, in through his nose to make sure it's yep. t- sucking. Subtle. Yeah. So he sucked a fucking piece of plastic and paper into his sinus cavity. To, to and then I wrote down um, the the filth that they live in and the lengths they're willing to go to. 
that really more than anything else because I've always been I mean who isn't interested in the IRA no right it's, they're they're like one of the last and I'm sure this this definitely has you know there are naysayers on all sides and they're definitely uh they're they're cla- officially classified as a terrorist organization okay, yeah, yeah. but there's always been more of a tinge of romanticism to the IRA yeah. than to any other the freedom fighter group. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, no one looks, I mean, there are obviously people who look at Al Qaeda cause they join Al Qaeda, but people who look at Al Qaeda, no one is like, yeah, they're doing a good job right. or looks at fucking ISIS and they're like, yeah, oh, yeah bravo. I can, I can get yeah, behind yeah, yeah. Right. there. There, there's like this, the, the reprehensible terrorist. And then for some reason, and again, not at all condoning the violence of the IRA, but for some reason there is this strange miasma of romanticism around the IRA. And this movie strips a lot of that romanticism away. Yeah. Shows them as as humans, but at the same time it also shows them as remarkably dedicated humans. The 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 strange comrade the the unspoken comrade unwavering too. They're it's... very hard men. Mhm. Like they're sitting there in a shit smeared cell and they're not really looking Sleeping at each other. Sleeping with maggots. Yeah. Rolling, like falling off of their hands. Falling off their hands because they've been drawing in shit. Yeah. yeah. But so, and, and yet, and with even, without even speaking, they all, there is a sense that all of them immediately have when you yep. put them together that they're all on the same, they're all for the same thing. Yes. It was really, really remarkable watching this movie just to, to see to see Davy come into that and there's a moment where he's like he adjusts where he's like shit fuck oh my god but immediately there yeah and the guy's like well you're an IRA guy and you got locked up I'm an IRA guy and we got locked up and they don't talk to each other but nope. they're like we are both on the same team and we they so their their convictions are so strong and so unwavering it's it's it, from a from the film's perspective, right. not from a historical perspective, but from the film's perspective, it's it's amazing how how it unifies all of the provisional IRA prisoners into like one entity in my head. Yeah. So when at the end you don't need them anymore because watching Bobby Sands starve to death stands for all of them for all of them yep. st- starving to death because they're so unified in my yeah, head. Yeah, it's, it's like the hive mind, man. It's, it's like crazy. they're all um, all <laughs> and then we see. We see the uh, the visit visitation day. Uh, everyone shows up, just at, getting shit from. There. Everyone's passing things back and forth to everyone else. Like, I love that scene. You, I do too. Uh, like you <laughs> see, like she's <laughs> got the the roll in her cooch, and he puts it in his butt. Like yeah, she she pulls it out and slips it under, and he bit a hole in his pants. Yeah, so yeah, he, he could, bit a hole in his pants so he could like slide. He it could in. slide it in, and you see like the discomfort and on his like, face as he's like, it's in there. and then he smiles at and her like, like, got it, got it. <laughs> Davy, Davy does like. There's one guy who does this weird fucking thing where he like has his hand on the table and he's like, and he blows, <laughs> blows a note it. out of his nose and then flicks it with his pinky like across like, the table tink. into her like the the other lady's hand and she's like boop and she just traps it and like takes That's it. Up. Amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. There's a there's a, oh my god. It's when we find out like even Bobby. Uh, no, we don't see Bobby's visitation until his parents later. But right. Davy's in Davy's in recently. Uh, and the the thing that the guy stuffed up his ass, by the way, what I thought it's was a, a little, bomb. It's a little radio. It's a radio, yeah. but like when I first saw that, oh, and um, all the, the little cabling comes out and the wires. I was like, I was like yeah. holy shit, did she smuggle a bomb into the prison in, in her, her vagina? vagina? <laughs> but no, it's a radio, so he yeah. can listen to 
how effective the protests would be. funny if the radio <laughs> turned on when it was in her, suddenly you hear like the BBC newscast coming out <laughs> of her. <laughs> it's <laughs> totally indistinct. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> but it's just like, everyone's like, <laughs> you hear that? She's like, I skipped lunch. It's um, like, it's real long. Oh, <laughs> Tums. Tums get, does anyone have any pepper toe? I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Those bangers and mash. Well, you know, and also with the British, uh, the British modesty thing and the yes. embarrassment, she could probably just be like, Lady Troubles. And everyone oh, would no, immediately oh, be like, oh, that's fine. fine totally yes. fine. My wife's vagina f- often murmurs as well. <laughs> you know? a feminine napkin and everyone just scatters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does anyone have a, a tampon? And they're just like, oh, uh, I, gotta, uh, gotta, I gotta go outside right. away from you now. Bye. Oh, is it time for tea? <laughs> But yeah, so the the radio thing pulling the wires out. I thought he was gonna like blow the, the yeah, thing I open. Some, and I'm like prison break. No, um, he just wants to hear what's going on. There was one. The the essay in here, by the way, has a really heartbreaking critique of uh, not critique, but um, note on Bobby Sands dying at the end of starvation, which is fucking so harrowing and hard mm-hmm. to watch. And said it is important to remember that this is a prison movie. And that is essentially the most final prison break you could possibly oh, make. Oh, fuck me, dude. At the end of the movie? Yeah. He does it. He, he does, does it. escape the prison. 66 days? How yeah. long did Gandhi go on his his the, his, his longest his fast? That long? I'm not sure. I feel like it was somewhere close. I mean, he went for... And also, Bobby Sands had Ooh. been in prison for a big chunk of change at the time that he decided to do the hunger right. strike, and the conditions he was living in were reprehensible. Right. I mean, so, they're not eating, like, three squares a day. No. By any, they try to get him to eat by bringing yeah. that. We'll get to that when we yeah. get to that because that was amazing watching mm-hmm. the food hit the table. Um, one of the thing that Davy's girlfriend snuck in to him was a minutely like two hundred times folded nude picture of her. You couldn't even tell what it was, which is why I liked it so much. I know he. he it's like it was like watching porn when you're a kid and you can barely get Cinemax in, and it's kind of like before my time, man. Oh, uh, my analogy. I keep forgetting that I'm ancient and you my, are just a young pup. <laughs> my analogy would be like uh, <laughs> when you're trying to download uh, it, it in keeps buffering dial-up porn. Okay, when you're t- it's not even videos. You're trying to get a a picture oh is it line by line yeah, yeah line yeah. by line or yeah. like you get to like just get to the good stuff and it there's a block of like 20 pixels but it's so blurred you can't tell what it is but you know there's boobs there and you're like close enough close enough let's I got get it. started <laughs> we'll get through that by the time i'm close it'll be nipples <laughs> and you know like that's yeah that's the photo that he gets though it's and again so... we we are we are friends and have yes. fun talking but the movie does not make this funny at all it, is, it breaks it's harrowing heart. and like that's why i'm Making jokes about it because that scene broke my fucking heart, man. Yeah, because he realized he looks over and his cellmate is asleep, yep. kinda as asleep as you can be when you have maggots crawling under your face. Yes, and he looks back over and he pulls this little thing out and unfold, unfold, unfold. He he, it's like fold, 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 fold as he's unfolding it, and it literally looks like television snow. Yeah, and you can kinda vaguely see that it might be a nude figure of some kind, Possibly, maybe. Yeah, or just a spaghetti squash. It, it could be Who anything, but knows, yeah, because right. because all those folds are like white lines now yep. in the photo. So it's it's oh my god, it, I'm, it's really sad. He looks at it and he puts he like snakes his hand under, and it's very like um like adolescent boy yep, at night, not wanting to get caught by your parents or have someone walk in, or like your brother sleeping in the room, yep, and you're yep. like, okay, we're gonna just really quick. And he goes a little bit, and then the the his cellmate is like, yep. and he's like, and he immediately crumples the picture and puts his hand away, and and just. Something about that, that, that reaching for some 
tiny modicum of, of intimacy mm-hmm. or, or eroticism or connection, when your connection, when your, your romantic feelings and your moment of respite from this horror that you're living in is a infinitely folded, barely visible picture of your girlfriend and you're laying in maggots in a cell covered in shit. And that is the, and you're trying to get that tiny moment of like fulfilling that tiny human need for comfort Mm -hmm. and you can't, that was, that was, it's, yeah, you can make it funny to talk about, but it's such a a brutal bleak scene. It's, that was, that was really immensely hard to watch. Yeah. That, this, that it it broke my heart. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's trying to do something as normal as, as masturbating. Right. But when you see the conditions around him while he's trying to do this normal thing, it would be like watching it. You know what it would be like? It would be like if they included a scene where Gary's like brushing his teeth Mm -hmm. or like combing his hair and all around him, there's like blow flies growing out of the shit on the walls. Yeah. And the the comb or the brush is clipping your nails or some like something about the, the, the routine, the normalcy of it. In, in such extra normal and horrible can dude it's yeah. fucking me up we got to move on yep um but yeah it's this there's so many moments like that that are so offensive or so um effective effective so th- at this point in the movie this is 20 i think it's like 21 minutes in or something like that no bobby sands yet Our, yeah we don't get bobby for a while fastbender i think shows up at because tw- this is where this is my note on him showing oh, okay. up I th- i'm pretty sure he shows up at like the 20 or 21 minute mark this is before we even the the subject of the film. He doesn't even show up for the first third of the film, and when he shows up, holy shit, does he show up? Yeah, these stunt people are doing work. I, mm-hmm. The choreography of this movie—they're literally beating and dragging. I was trying to figure out how they it's, did that. Yeah, I think the only thing I can think is you know those those plastic bats that you played for wiffle ball. Yeah. I th- what if they if if they are hollow police batons that are made of that plastic, you would be able to hit the dude you hard. You get some good contact. You could hit it hard enough that it would look convincing, and it would leave a big welt. Yep, you'd it'd red you up. Yeah, because fuck, Absolutely. when they drag Davy through the riot line, they're beating him, and by the end of it, he is he's, he's red, lobster red. Yeah, he is he's so fucking covered, covered in like welts and stuff, and then Ugh. later. They skip forward in time, and then you have the your special you have your makeup people put bruises on. Yeah, that's the only way I can think they do it because oftentimes they are they're le- making they're beating the they're fuck. making legitimate contact. Oh yeah, they're yeah. not they're not pulling this. You can see these dudes like beating these these prisoners. And again, it's important to remember actors. You're seeing stunt people beating actors like hard, hard with yeah. batons and shit. And that scene when they drag Davy out of the cell and throw him face first into the wall. Yeah, he makes contact with that fucking wall, dude. I'm like, a me- like again, it's it's shout out to stunt coordinators, yep. shout out to stuntmen cuz all the choreography, all of I won't even call it fight scenes. It's no, just it's- like moments of brutal violence right. but it's all so well shot staged executed choreographed and planned yeah because any in any other movie it would be like a fight scene right or like over choreographed or like oh yeah it, there's there's a viscerality that comes viscerality viscerality mm. hey there you go measuring flicks word of the day <laughs> there's a there's a viscerality that comes that, that you find in this movie that i like when have you seen violence that looks so violent and raw a lot um, of violence looks like slick and sexy and yeah, cool. Yeah, no, but this is dirty, like real, real raw, real violence, yeah. man. This it's it's and the reason I'm bringing it up is the first time Bobby Sands is dragged out of his cell to get his haircut. 
holy fuck does he fight yeah that i wrote down uh the the violence of fastbender being dragged from his cell and then i stopped taking notes because i was like holy nothing to say nothing to say you can't get it across it's the violence of the guards the way he's being beaten and how they're cutting his hair so violently that it's making they're tearing hair out of his head and his face yeah his His when they grab his beard and his cheek pulls out when and then they slice it with the scissors not his cheek but his the hair the hair yeah so and this is by the way this is where uh raymond hurts his hand yeah they drag him down the hall beating the fuck out of him he's beating them back like he's fighting guards oh, yeah. hard he's like kicking and punching and screaming Not like giving an them an inch dude i think maybe like the most visceral thing i've ever seen yeah. probably i i can't think of anything more visceral <laughs> off the top the of my moment, head no. it's insane it's like watching four people try to like drag a uh, like a uh, like a leopard high on amphetamines down a hallway the, yeah it's a wild, insane like trying to drag a wild animal down a hallway it's unbelievable they, they get him up against the wall and raymond punches him once and draws back and fassbender sees it coming and moves his head and that's when raymond As he cracks the he wall punches yeah. a brick wall and that's when he fucks his hand up which yep. now fast forward or fast back rewind fast back, rewind rewind that's fast what, backward <laughs> yeah pass to the fast back <laughs> and i don't know that's cool so you rewind to the beginning of the movie and yep. that's how his hand gets jacked up but after he hurts his hand, you see Raymond change from like, I am a violent man in a prison to like, I'm going to fuck this guy up because they drag him over to this bench. And this is crazy, by the way, because the way they cut his hair is they force him to his knees oh and jam his head down on a stool, like, like laying, laying down. down. Yeah. And then Mr. McPunchy Raymond comes over with a fucking giant pair of steel scissors. Terrifying. Yeah. And they cut his hair and Fassbender is screaming and screaming and screaming. And it's not, you You don't get the sense that he's like, I will, he knows he's not going to stop this from happening. But he's going to fight until he's gonna he make, can't anymore. He's going to make every second of his interactions with those guards Difficult. misery. Absolutely. Everything that they can do. That's it, not give him a single fucking inch, man. You know what's crazy? It's the like the premise of this movie could be. If you were to translate it in 2018 terms, resist. Resist, don't stop fighting. Absolutely. It's That's exactly what this movie is showing you. And if you can't do anything else, make them walk in your piss. Make, like, fuck, dude. Like, <laughs> it, relevant, to, relevant to your show that we watched last night, watching your show, which has a lot of interesting um, like social and, and mm-hmm. political commentary in it. Hilarious political commentary, <laughs> by the way. Um, and then watching this movie... You, in the in your show, there's like the crybaby generation is like we we want our world and we want it our way, and then watching this movie, I you at the end of it, you sit and you think because you know me hippie bleeding yeah, yeah. bleeding heart liberal. I got it in me too, man. But watch at the end of this movie, you're like, but do we want do we want our world our way bad enough to smear all of the walls around us and shit? Right. Do we really want it? How badly? We want freedom. We want we want a better world. We want to get these bad people out. But do we want it bad enough to suffer as much as these men suffered? Because if we don't, we should probably shut the fuck up and sit down. Right. Then you watch the BBC documentary and you realize that it's worse than McQueen showed you. Yep. And you're like, <laughs> wow. How bad do we really, really God, fucking want it? I hope want we it? want it that bad. Yeah, me too. This is this is a this movie is a life changer. Yeah. There's a there's a couple movies that are like, wow, this is gonna I'm gonna think about this for months or years. This is one of those movies like the first time you read V for Vendetta, <laughs> or the first time you read <laughs> yeah. Watchmen. This is one of yeah. those movies that afterwards you're never ever gonna be the same. Things again. change. I cannot recommend yeah. Hunger highly enough. Hunger 2008. I would just watch all of McQueen's. 
Yeah, yeah, McQueen's oeuvre is amazing. He's, he's a stunning amazing. director, yeah. but if you're going to watch one movie... I of think the three? Of the three. Look, I, I I think shame is more accessible. I think shame is... I think shame is brilliant. I yeah, love shame. Yeah, because I think 12 Years a Slave is brilliant. I mean, it's fucking brilliant. It is. All, all three of them are incredible. Uh, yeah, but... Mm. I, and and they're all and relevant. They, yeah, they're all and they're relevant. All, they all deal with like big, broad human issues. Mm-hmm. I like he's. I think he's an important director, and he's not. It, it's he's not like um, this. Isn't like school assignments where like here's an important author whose work you will find immensely boring. Right. He's stunningly talented and doing incredibly important things with his talent at the same time, and it's it like this is this movie's not boring. None of his movies are boring. They're all entertaining. It's just a very... It, if it, they were boring, I would not be able to make it through his films at 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. His, the way that he structures and paces jars you completely out of what you're expecting. Because you've seen movies. Everyone's seen movies. <laughs> but when you sit down to watch a McQueen movie, you, it becomes apparent very quickly that you're not watching anything you've ever seen before. No. God damn, what a movie. Um, so after the, the haircut and they drag him out and they're carrying him, this is when we get the sympathetic doctor. There's two doctors in the movie. Yeah. One of them is very has a lot of human feeling and and you can tell cares for Bobby yeah. Sands and cares for these men and, and empathizes with their suffering, which is kind of why they phase him out near the end of the film. Because they don't they don't want any of that. Did you notice that that doctor is the man who comes to clean yes. Bobby's cell? Yeah. He this is the moment, by the way, the ship moment that I wanted to talk about. The this the the there's a it's a spiral a spiral. Yeah. It's a spiral, maybe six feet in diameter. And this guy walks into Bobby's cell in a hazmat suit with the face shield down and the big rubber gloves and a mask over his mouth. It's completely covered, yeah. covered because these cells are covered in shit. yeah. And he has a pressure washer on his back. And he walks in and he turns and he stops. And this is a great performance beat. I don't know if it's in the script or if it's the actor or what, but he takes off the face shield so that he can look at what he's seeing with his bare eyes and it's i this is weird to say about a piece you of know, about beautiful. shit on the wall but bobby sands drew a huge spiral on the wall in shit and when you see it it is undeniably gorgeous yeah it's fucked up to say i know, you know dude but, but that I was spiral that... is beautiful <laughs> it's uh it's I think that it, they actually talk about it in the essay in the Criterion booklet. I think he calls it abject art where it's like the, the art of, of someone who's suffering and struggling. Yeah. But like this, how weird in the in his cell, there's that he was able to create something beautiful with his what he had. Yeah, it's available. It's, his it's amazing. Ink, he, he made his own ink like and what's really What's really, really crazy about that shit is Bobby... Literally that shit. That shit. What's yeah. so crazy about it is that this guy hits it with the pressure washer, and it's been there for so long is, that nothing happens. It is so dry. It's become part of the wall. There's. It is fucked up, because when he gets it down to, like, bare wall, it almost looks like there's, like, finger grooves in the yeah. stone, because he's gone around it so many so times. So many times. Or that the shit has been there so long that it's eaten into the stone with the like the bacteria, the bacteria or, or whatever is, yeah. have eaten into the rock. Because when he even when he gets down to bare wall, you can still see where uh-huh. the spiral was. It's yeah, it's incredible. There was something very satisfying about once the 
the shit started to actually wash off the wall. Something mm. very satisfying of the pressure washer actually cleaning it off. Yeah. Because there's a moment of like, well, at least they'll have a clean cell. I don't know. Something is very satisfying about seeing the wall being clean, but it's also you're stripping away part of their resistance at that point. And too. what's funny. Yeah. And actually, uh, I don't know. Were you here for the BBC? The bit in the BBC where they talk about the clothes? Uh, for, for a little bit. Where they felt like they were conned? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you yeah. were here for that. Yeah. So, okay, so, and again, jumping back and forth between the documentary and the movie, you realize what everything you're being shown is historically accurate and yeah. is backed by fact and is backed by interviews. And uh, uh, Bobby Sands actually kept a diary for the first 17 days of his fast. So he had, there's a record of the first 17 days of what that was like. There is, there is record from the prisoners of their time in prison and, that's what McQueen That's what he put is in the movie showing, showing you. It, yeah. um, so it's really incredible about this. I can't remember the exact chronology because I, I again, I took loose notes intentionally. But um, there's the bit where they go to like the chapel services in the church and, or whatever. And no one's paying attention. To They're the, all talking the, to each other yeah. and passing notes to Bobby yeah. because Bobby is the the head of like he's the leader. Yeah. yeah, he's the he basically is like the head, the lead representative of the the uh, the PIRA in this particular prison. I, I don't know historically. I, he is definitely one of the higher ups. Yeah. And there's that amazing scene of Bobby like badly beaten sitting in his cell reading the notes that have been passed to him and then he tears a page out of the bible and rolls the bible up into a cigarette and smokes this page out of the bible just to have something to smoke and then he lights all the notes on fire and the next day he sees there's a bit that hasn't hasn't burned and what what uh all these people are asking him to do is to negotiate negotiate yeah. they're like it's time we brought this to an end this has gone on long enough spend four years or whatever of this in no our own bl- shit. Or the blanket no no clean yet. we need to negotiate we need to end this this is this is too much for us people are getting like e coli poisoning well yeah for four yeah. years he's there but basically the rest of the ira is like bobby please can you please stop this we can't do this anymore so he does he negotiates and that's when they get their hair cut and the cells washed and stuff because the movie jumps around in chronology yeah. a little bit. So he's like, all right, I will negotiate. And they they wanted their first demand was we want to wear our own clothes and they go in to get their own clothes. And we see these fucking like golf shoes and yep. khaki slacks and like the brightest button green. up shirts with the yeah it's all like polos yeah and everything is like the brightest most vibrant colors you've ever seen doesn't look like real people clothes it looks like golf outfits Gol- yeah exactly or like, <laughs> or like a summer board meeting or yep. some bullshit like that and the guy who goes in the first guy who goes in to get his clothes looks down at what they give him and he <laughs> like, laughs. What the fuck is this shit? And he walks down the hall and he's chuckling and Bobby Sands sees what he's carrying and there's this fucking awesome shot. Uh they fast you know, they're they're handing out clothes and it's Bobby sitting on his on his cot with the clothes next to him. And you look at the clothes and you look at Bobby and you realize like these are not they're not no. Bobby's clothes and no. these are nothing he would ever wear. Yeah. <laughs> and you see this little bit of like this little flash of anger in his face. And they talk about it in the, the BBC documentary we watched too. The prisoners felt like 
look, we want to wear our own clothes. Like our own clothes. We want to wear our clothes. And the prison's like, absolutely, we will let you wear civilian clothes that we issue you. <laughs> so it's it's another uniform it's that a they're prison, providing. Yeah. It's a prison-issued uniform. Yeah. And you realize it looking at the, the clothes on the fucking bed. And, that, and Bobby stands up, and his cell is immaculately clean, yep. and it's full of furniture again. And he's got a little desk, and he picks the desk up, and he fucking flings it against <laughs> oh, the wall and oh. starts screaming. And that's immediate. You can all around the prison, the IRA guys, and we we pretty much see Davy and Gary the most. Yeah. All around They're the prison, all none of them themselves up. None of them are getting dressed. No, nope. they all sit looking at their clothes naked, and they're waiting. What's amazing? They all get it at the same time. It's not like they had to pass notes or play a phone game. You know what I think like, it is is they hear they hear him. They hear him going yeah. off. But they're all waiting. It's like there's what this there's this held breath. There's this uh, uh, there's a term there's a sesura where everyone is like. Do we put the clothes on or not? What do we do? And then you hear fucking Bobby Sands smash that table and just fuck. Like, all right, guess we're not. And yeah. they all immediately <laughs> yeah. are like, yeah, and they trash their fucking cells because they're like, we will not, we are not going to let the, the, we're not going to let the prison fuck us like this. Absolutely not. We will, the, the, the goddamn principle of these people. It's hard. It's really hard not to. Like I said, the movie does have a have a stance. Yeah. And this stance is pretty fa- pretty strongly on the side of the prisoners. It de- it shows you the other it's side. On the, it's on the side of of humanity. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. It's it's the the decision and the move to give them prison issued civilian clothes. <laughs> like what a God. fucking oxymoron, yeah. right? But the decision to give them that has that weird tone of like arrogant smugness that the BBC oh, documentary did. Oh, incredibly, like, yeah. Well, listen, we can, look, we're going to give you <laughs> civilian clothes, but you must understand that we cannot give you can your, your clothes. clothes. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, oh here are these clown clothes we've decided to give. That Seriously, though, yeah. It's it's that same tone. So smug it's that smug, arrogant. condescending. It's and and really interesting from that BBC documentary is when they go and they get a bunch of Northern Irish people from Northern Ireland all in a room together and they start talking to them and they're like, you know, plastic bullets are illegal in Britain, but they use them on us yeah. and it's killing little children and stuff. So wait, why? I thought we're British citizens. Why aren't we subject to the same laws that other British citizens are? And the they're US like, is secondary. Yeah. And they're like, Citizens. yeah, and, they're, and they talk about during the famine, they're like, Britain made a bunch of food and fed all of the people in, all of the people in England, but aren't we British citizens too? But we were left we to starve. Nothing. The British, the British have to stop treating us, the Irish, like second class citizens or less than human or something other than the British citizens that they are ostensibly claiming we are. And then if you're not going to, then get the fuck out of Ireland. Absolutely. And that is what happens Right here, where they're they're like, uh, hey, please, we want to wear our own clothes. Sure, sure, sure. That's adorable. Okay, well, let us just get you, you some know, clothes then. The here, we look, pick these out for you. You get to wear real. Mommy picked out your outfit today. Okay, <laughs> now Bobby Sands, you wear those. Cl- you get to wear clothes like a real person, and it's like the fucking <laughs> arrogance is mm-hmm. stunning. Yeah. And when so you when they God when they all start trashing their cells. When they all start just like, smashing shit, you f- there's such a feeling of like, yeah, fuck you. Yep. There's, half of this movie is just you trying not to cry, and the other half is you like raising a trembling middle finger to yeah. your screen. Yep, it's incredible. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. Um, so 
the prison retaliates for this like well we oh, how dare you we, we we gave them a bunch yeah, of yeah we cut out to your so what do they do mandatory cavity searches which is one of the most fucked up things i've ever yep. seen as soon as they put the mirror on the floor I'm like, oh fuck! I didn't know what it was until yeah. I kind of, I kind of had a feeling because it didn't move. I saw like, they're gonna have these guys squatting. I saw the guy snap the. I knew when I saw the guy snap the gloves on, mm-hmm. and then I realized what the mirror was for, and I was like, no shit! Yeah. Uh, and the riot police show up. By the way, I, again, I said his name at the beginning. Um, uh, oh, the young Papa, officer Ben Peel plays uh, riot prison officer Graves. Jesus Christ, man! Man, his arc—it's short. He's it's only short, in about it's there. six minutes of the movie. Holy fuck, but it's an arc, dude. Really good performance. Um, <sighs> the riot police come in. They start, you know, doing the bang on the shields, intimidation, scare tactic thing, and then they start dragging prisoners out. This is where they drag Davy out and slam him face first into the wall. And it—I can't—I can't conceive how they did that other than Davy just that actor just smashed his face yeah. on the wall. And then they beat him with their shields and their batons. They they build like a little they they line a, the a corridor. corridor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like a, a gauntlet. Yep. They they line it's it with like riot police. Hazed yeah. in, but not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they push him. They push the prisoners down through this like corridor of riot police. You just beat the fuck out of him until he gets through the other side. And then two more riot police pick him up and start beating him. And then they fucking fidget in his butthole like that's an amazing not journey not just that either they get they get the prisoners over to that mirror oh, and they force them down this yeah. is f- so fucked up and the guy comes over and he you can you know she does the cavity search and you see the prisoners like screaming and like oh my god because they just go for they it and there's no in. you're looking at his gloves They're there's dry. no yeah he's going in dry and then he stands the prisoner up and same guy same gloves Stuffs his hands into the prisoner's mouth yeah. And pries their mouth open To check their mouths With the same, same gloves. gloves And you know he's not changing gloves between prisoners No either. because we see that he doesn't They shove yep. Davy away and the next guy comes over And he does it again In a single shot So we see same gloves for everyone But it's Oh, yeah, I'm just getting God. angry I'm just, Yeah I'm getting, me too actually I'm strangely angry right now <laughs> Me too so okay we let's take a moment and reset. Yep. Because we did part of part. I think no, it wasn't a mistake. But part of what is causing our difficulty is we watched, we watched a documentary. documentary. We watched real footage of yeah. what this movie is about, and that definitely couched the movie in the real. Now let's let's cognitively reframe. Yep. Shot in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Steve McQueen, Michael Fassbender, all actors, all performance. Yes, the subject matter is super super disturbing and upsetting, and it's. Discussing a political situation which is Absolutely reprehensible and super Complicated as well So in the turn In back taking it back to the terms of the movie This is the scene I was talking About where you I almost couldn't couldn't figure Out how the stunt work was being Done Mm -hmm. Putting that putting the actor through that Gauntlet that's one challenge You can see the baton hit And the red a second later They're hitting him hard Mm Mm-hmm. And they get him to the other side and they smash his face up against the bar. And then the other thing that I wanted to uh, point out is this this Officer Graves, the riot police guy. When they're banging on the their shields, Officer Graves screams. He does that like that like that, that war like a war yell yeah. kinda. And uh, the second guy who comes through, I think it's Gary, after Davy's already been cavity searched, they they get the gloves in 
Gary's ass and then come over to stick the gloves in his mouth and he headbutts the guy in the face. So they force him to the ground and Officer Graves steps forward. This is the riot police guy. And he hits Gary a couple times with the baton. And then he hits him a couple more and a couple more. And And then then he he just starts beating him. It's this like incessant, relentless, just bam, 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 bam. And he's screaming the whole time. He turns completely animalistic. Yep. And the next thing we see is we do a smash cut to Graves' oh face, so and he's sobbing. While you're seeing the riot police. Well, first we one. do the close-up, right. and then we do that amazing split screen where, the did you notice, it's a it's a composite shot yep. because he's playing in normal, like, t- 24 frames per second normal speed, and the footage in the hallway is slowed down. It's Dude, amazing. it's like a hallucination. Yep. Watching that shot, you're like, your eyes get fucked up, yep. and your brain is, like, reeling. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. It, but uh, th- I thought that was such a such a brilliant move because this this whole sequence with the riot police and sh- shoving the prisoners through this gauntlet and they're being beaten and we're seeing this disgusting cavity search being done. Um, not yeah, we're just seeing the, the, and that's done and then we see this vicious beating by this guy who so far has seemed like kind of like a nervous, a little nervous like rookie almost or yeah, we get rookie vibes from him and then we see this savage violence from him and it, it, there's such a momentum building. It's mm-hmm. like this frenzied state and then you still hear the violence happening, but that all and everything else has been fairly wide. We see a bunch of bodies all at once and then to cut into a right close into up face. of him crying and devastated. It's it's that it's that McQueen thing of giving you a moment of of uh, remember this person as a contrast. Human. Yeah, it's so like little moment of relief where it's like we because if you just have him beat the guy and then oh yeah then it keeps you're like man that officer Graves was a real fuck yeah not that he's not a piece of shit but right. suddenly you see like what we're watching has consequences for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the things that came up when Stuart Graham, the guy who plays Raymond, was interviewed. And he was saying, because he he was he does his research to play the prison guards, so he's doing all the research on prison guards, and he's like, when you see how many prison guards were killed during the hunger strikes, and how oh, many it was police a, it were was, killed, was, there were a lot. I think it was twenty prison God. guards, and or it was sixteen prison guards and twenty police. Yeah, so fatalities on both sides. I mean, yeah, it's it, it, big numbers too. Yeah. That's a lot of people dead. And he was thinking, you you realize. With a, he's like you realize without moralizing how much stress how the the unimaginable stresses that everyone involved in this was under and that's important to remember because like you said a second ago there's a lot you feel a lot of righteous anger for the for the prisoners yep but at the same time but then it's like there are weird moments where you you feel like I, fuck it's so like these guards have to go through this every day and then they have to go home and face their families right and too. then also can you imagine like and a lot of these i know like this is a complicated issue but like the like if you work at a prison that's a job that you get paid to do yep. and you pay your taxes and you feed your family off the off the pay that you get from being a prison guard it's a mm-hmm. job yep. it's just a job everyone has jobs not everyone has jobs but right. like you know that's that's part of the human condition you get your job you work you pay your you pay your bills and you live your fucking life so these guys are not like jackbooted stormtroopers no. who are like, I, I'm signing up to be a prison guard so I can fuck people up. And they go home and they heil Hitler and right. beat their little kittens or whatever. Right. Like, they're just people. And they're people under massive stresses. And what's interesting is watching two of them, Raymond and this Officer Graves, watching the stress become too much and watching them break. Wait, yeah. And then watching the... Re- rather than just watching them break, 
then giving us having the wherewithal to show us not the wherewithal that's the wrong word but having the the presence of mind to also show us the consequences of them breaking which is they're emotionally devastated it's they're broken yeah it's it's amazing because this scene in this scene you're like i can't believe how horrible these prison guards are you feel so strongly Mm -hmm. for the prisoners like physically angry yeah you're like the the prisoners are you you're you're like your heart is with them 110 percent on the side and then all of a sudden you don't flip to the riot police because they're still being stunningly violent but but you hit this weird like neutral point where you're like, oh, oh. yeah, he's damaged too. This is right. this casualties on all sides. And it's so rare that you see that in in a in a film where where you're forced into not forced into it. It's there. It's just there. He presents it to you. Yeah, yeah. He show he shows you what it's. I mean, that's a real that's that's a thing that shows up a lot where in film critique where it's like he shows you it's real. He shows right. you the yeah, real yeah, yeah, world, yeah. and that's too easy a thing here. He shows you. He shows you the lie that is more true than the real. Right. Because it's, it, it is, these are all actors portraying a thing. If you want, if you want reality, just turn off all your screens and walk outside for a second. Yeah. That's what reality is. But like. Go visit a homeless shelter there. You'll have yeah, some reality. But this is, this is an, an immense achievement by showing up, by picking selectively, by really selectively picking what moments to show us. He can show us the, the, like the distilled flowering essence of reality. It's so hard to explain, mm-hmm. but his movies are not like more real than real. Cause that's just fantasy. It's they're they're fuck. It's it's, I can't, I got nothing. Uh, no, no, I can't. There's a weird sense. There's a, there's something it's about like there needs the to be a new word or way to describe, to describe Steve McQueen's yeah. films. Yeah, seriously. Absolutely. I can't, I can't, or get we it. just need a really good thesaurus. To <laughs> yeah. Let's go through all the synonyms for reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next scene, I don't want to downplay it, but I do kind of want to skip through it really quick. Yeah, but this is like, where Raymond gets shot in the head in front mm-hmm. of his mom. And you realize that the IRA on the outside, they're still working. And that means that the IRA on the inside is somehow getting names yeah, out. Yeah, they're people. communicating. Because we, well, Fassbender even has moments like, "Hey, it's taken care of," or whatever. There's a brief moment of like, "Well, you know." Well, there's a. Do you remember, like the the big like passing messages and everything? Yeah. You realize that because that's when you see it the first time. It's really funny because you're like, yeah. "Oh, look, it's, it's no one." It's a fun little bit. Yeah, no one's here to like really like hold hands and be like, "How are you holding up?" No, they're, they're all there passing, passing messages and, and yeah. radios and shit, but. uh there is a there's a, a a dark moment where you realize that maybe some of these IRA guys are saying Officer Blank is the one that's giving yeah. us the most trouble, and they're passing that to the. Oh, IRA. they definitely are. Yeah, yeah. And that's the re- that's the moment you realize that oh, shit. This isn't just like. No, it's not. It's not. And and also, his like th- th- what a humanizing moment for Officer Raymond. Where he, or, just before he dies. Yeah, he walks in and he's like, "Mom, I to got visit you." His mom, who's yeah. his catatonic. He's like, "Here's some their flowers and." All right, what are you doing in this room, and how's it going? And her, his mom is, yeah, exactly, catatonic. She's sitting in the like the day room at a retirement home or a convalescent home yep. or whatever, and he's just he's you can see he's kind of sad to see his mom this way, and he brought her flowers. And then this guy's walking down the hallway, and he pulls a revolver out and shoots him in the back, shoots Raymond in the back of the head, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. There's no like score. There's no like here comes it's a just, guy. I he's was so down the- shocked by that. 
I rewound it because like, I had looked down for one second to take a note, and when I looked up, he had a gun to his head, and then it was blam, and I was like, "What the fuck <laughs> just like, happened?" Did I miss something that my DVD skip? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> "Man, I thought these Criterion were good." There's a, but no, <laughs> shitty. So I, re- I rewound a second, and you get like one second of a guy like taking two steps down a hall, and then you see a click, blam, and covers his oh mother my god, his, his blood. Yeah, she gets. She gets painted painted with his blood and he falls into her lap and everyone screams and runs out of the room. The mom's catatonic. Mom's catatonic. So Steve McQueen just like picks a good angle and lets us look at catatonic mom just sitting and staring at the wall, lacquered in blood and her son's corpse in her lap. And you're like, yeah, you know what? The IRA are not good people. Right. The IRA are whether they They're are killers. yeah whether they are common criminals or whether they are political criminals or terrorists or freedom fighters or whatever they are they just killed a man in front of his mother yeah these are not these are not heroes right they're people everyone involved is people people can be dog shit yeah. people can be utterly oh, shit can they ever yeah yeah so i i think this is an important moment because it doesn't again this moment doesn't make you hate the prisoners no this moment this moment doesn't make you love the guards but it does show you raymond's just a guy that had a job and a statement raymond's just a guy the same way that period period. raymond's just a guy all of these people are just people it's fucked up dude it's and it's a really shocking scene it's really shocking and upsetting not like it's so fucked up. it's it's not john wick head shot no, it's no. like I, why did that happen yeah and jesus uh, his mother's covered in, oh god it's really gnarly yeah. so that brings us to the centerpiece of the film which i'm sure you noticed when bobby sands sits down with the priest with the priest holy shit and talks to holy shit yeah. max peterson Carl, this is fucking film school. This is actor school right here. This, this is the this is the master class of two people at a table having a conversation. This is as this is as good as it gets. Period. Holy fucking shit, yeah. dude. Yeah. The uh, so the discuss. Uh, so I wrote down my re- by the way my note and writing too. I mean this is just the writing here top is tier fucking absolutely top tier. My note is incredible. Period. Incredible. Period. And then I'm like I don't know. Yeah, I don't have words anymore. Yeah. Uh, the whole scene is 20 something minutes long the discussion isn't that unbelievable one conversation 20 it's minutes so mundane when the it's first ter- oh shot God, yeah. that one sh- that that two shot of them sitting at the table How unbroken 17 minutes okay. 10 seconds okay. fuck me dude that's the longest shot i've ever seen in a movie <laughs> it's watching theater like it, it absolutely is it's oh my god it it, it it cannot be overstated how incredible <laughs> this scene is because it's because so many other parts of the movie are like, how impressive is this movie? Yes. But this is a static camera. That's all we're seeing. It's a very simple framing of two men at a table. Your actors down. And also, we're fairly far out. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty wide shot. Like, uh, how far away is Bird from me right now, do you think? 25 uh, feet? 25 feet, probably. So we're about 25 feet away from our actors. You can't see either of their faces. They're, they're very black. Because they're backlit. Yeah. There's a window behind them, so they're backlit in silhouette. Which means we watch 17 minutes and 10 seconds of two actors and can't see their faces. And it's utterly fucking compelling the entire time. And the priest at one point crosses his legs and turns almost like... Away from the camera. Away from the camera. 
which is amazing. Like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> when I saw he it, just moved away from us. It defies like every rule of, yeah. of shooting on film that you've ever heard where it's like, and even on stage, like as a theatrical yeah. actor, it's always yeah. play to the audience. Yep. So if you're sitting, you play towards your you audience. You always cheat out. You cheat, always have to cheat. Cheat out, always. cheat out. Because yeah. if you talk straight, you're not projecting. So yeah. you have to turn your head. So you're like, oh, and you deliver lines as though you're throwing them off so you can project. Yeah. You're exactly right. I noticed it too. When the priest crosses his legs and turns his back to the camera, I was like, "What, what the, the fuck, fuck are you doing?" <laughs> I'm over here, but it's so brilliant. Yeah, because oh. it's so natural. It's so because he's just sitting there having a conversation. There's no camera. We've been kicking around the word real. This is the most real thing I've ever. And also, they do not go out of their way to make sure that you can understand what they're saying. Nope. I ran sub. I'll, I'll be real. I ran subtitles. Yeah. Because well, because they're using colloquialisms. And they're, they're using all, like the language. A, and it's and Fassbender has a really heavy Irish brogue. Yeah. And there's he's he's brandoing in a big way where he's just speaking naturally. He's marble mouth, just, just speaking. Yeah. Without. These two guys understand each other perfectly, and neither of them give a fuck whether someone else could understand them. Because they're they're just these two guys. Two guys talking. Yeah. Fuck. It's amazing. It's amazing. And one of my favorite things about it is um. The the fact that the performance that we get out because the early dialogue is mostly like like just banter. Mm-hmm. The first maybe You're five talking about five the, six the minutes cigarettes is better than smoking the Bible. Hey, blah blah blah. Yeah, it's the what makes it compelling is the physical work they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like there's a moment where Michael Michael Fassbender has had his hands on the table and he's been smoking and he's leaning forward and there's a moment where he leans back slightly and drops his hands into his lap. And that is Their conversation continues normally But the tone has changed And I realized the only reason the tone changed Is because his body language he changed his phys- posture. He's physically disengaged yep. He exactly. leaned back and out And at that moment he's made his mind up There's an awesome moment near the end Little f- bits of physical acting By the way you're a smoker. This must have been hard. Was a smoker, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you're always a smoker. You're always a smoker, but like you, you've this been. This was real tough. You haven't smoked in how long it's now? Last October. Last October, so over a year. Yeah, thirteen months. Yeah. Okay. This I'm again. I'm not a smoker, nor have I ever been a cigarette smoker. And watching this, I was like, I had to go buy a pack of smoke. Yep. It, God damn it. Watching the, the the smoke being backlit. For one, it l- l- yeah, their physic the 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 physicality of them smoking the, the cigarettes, breathing it out of the nose, the nose and then and the, the, mouth. the last touch out of the mouth. Michael Fassbender talking smoke out. Tastiest Both of them do it a lot. I, I, bet they, I bet they taste like cherry cheesecake and just delicious. No, they taste bad, Carl. They taste mm. like cancer in a shorter life. Fuck. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm 100 yeah, 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 with yeah. you. I'm not gonna go buy a pack these of smoke. Cigarettes, but, ooh, did these I get itchy. cigarettes have trumped the 90s cigarette. Yeah, definitely. Smoker. Yeah, this is by far my favorite cigarette scene. Yep, I think. For sure, yeah, yeah. Um, this, yeah, there's some good this, ones. In I think, I think, I think, still John McClane. Uh, after he blows up the elevator in the first Die Hard, and is mm. leaning again, he sees he has three left. He's smoking. He's like, "Smoke him if you got him." It's probably <laughs> that might be your favorite. <laughs> that is my fa- that's the one. Wow. That, yeah. See, that's what addiction sounds like, everyone. <laughs> I've got all my cigarette smoking scenes in cataloged in, in order. You lay a, you, so I'm fiending. I'm like, you I'm going to masturbate and watch yeah. John McClane smoke. You unfold your tiny picture, like with a hundred folds in it of John McClane with his mm, cigarette. Just, just uh, you look over at Danielle. She's asleep. Just, <laughs> you, have, you have nothing in your mouth, but your breathing pattern, you're like... <sighs> she stirs gently. Oh, You can put it all away. 
She's like, honey, just why just go smoke a fucking cigarette, it's you just, asshole. It's just a picture of John McClane's face that you drew on an unrolled on a rolling paper. Doesn't look anything like him, like a child drew yeah. it. <laughs> He's a like, little stick man with a cigarette in his mouth. Uh, smoke him if you got him. You're just sitting over there, you're like, smoke him if you got him. Smoke him if you got him. And she's like, Are you jacking off to the rolling paper again? She's like, no. No. Why are you? <laughs> um, I'm moving out again. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> You're weird. You're too weird for me. So but there's a uh, one of my favorite lines is when the priest is the priest takes out a pack of cigarettes at the beginning. He's like, "Sig," yep. he's like, they they start smoking, and he's like, "Well, if it'll uh, it's better than smoking the Bible, isn't it?" And he's like, "He's like, oh yeah, it definitely is." And he goes, "So is there a consensus on which book is the best?" For smoking? For smoking, yeah. And he goes, we only, we only smoke Lamentations. It's a miserable cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then at the end, that that gets tagged back where the priest like is getting ready to go and he pulls He's the cigarettes. Like, nope, and he goes, you can leave those there if you want. Uh, you wouldn't want me to start smoking the book of John, would you? Uh, or like John, the letters of John or whatever. And he's like, I couldn't bear to have that on my conscience. So he <laughs> puts, like there's a, and by the way, that little bit of physical acting where he plops, he barely moves his hand and plops the, the pack back onto the table. It's like right on the edge of the table. And then with like the flick of his wrist, he slides oh, yeah, it just, across. Just... It's that right there is like actor nerd porn. Yeah. I could watch him just, Casually flip that back onto the table and, and snap it across yep. all day long. It's it's such a tiny motion, and you could just so casual and so realistic, and it's beautiful. Yeah. The physical performances are beautiful, and again, cannot stress this enough. This movie's an hour and a half ish. Twenty minutes of that movie. A third of the movie. Oh, is, a quarter of the movie. Yeah, a quarter scene. of the movie has no Michael Fassbender, or uh, about a th- n- yeah. not quite a third. Not quite a third of the movie has Michael Fassbender, and not quite a third of the movie is just Michael Fassbender and this one priest talking to each other at a table with no cuts. Bit of trivia. You're gonna like this. Yes. At the beginning of the movie, these two actors, Liam Cunningham and Michael Fassbender, got together, and they're like. So there's this scene in the middle of the script. Did you notice it too? 28 pages long, just dialogue between the two of us. And yeah, I did notice. I did notice that. I think we should move in together. What? Yeah. Liam Cunningham and Michael Fassbender moved in together for the duration of the shoot. And they would run this scene 15 times a day. It shows, bro. It fucking does. It took four takes to get it perfect. You have to be so fucking together to do that everything uh there's a there's a cool mini documentary that's the, in the making of uh the making of hunger and they talked about they interview the two of them on this particular scene because how can you not talk about the the 17 minute uninterrupted performance yeah. in the middle like uh the the uh, cunningham is like when you see that scene no actor any actor who who watches that can't help but feel the the hair on the back of their neck raise because you realize the stakes. Yeah. Which is this movie shot on film, by the way. This is you on. fuck up, you're rolling that all back. If you make it 16 minutes of the way through and you don't ask your cigarette properly or your cigarette goes out or you flub a line or you don't quite Space get the emotion for a hot second or even, anything or even if you don't if you don't hit the line the way you want and it takes you out of the moment with a perfectionist director like Steve McQueen, you just wasted 16 minutes. Time to reset, clear the ashtray. Film. Brand and it's film. 
So when they got to the scene, it took four takes to get it perfect on the fourth take. That's unheard of for, for something like this. That's amazing. Oh that's my God. stunning. Stunning. And you don't do that without running it 15 times a day. 15 times a day for the entire production. You have to. They, they lived yeah. together, so they would wake up in the morning and start doing lines and, and cook like, breakfast right, and go. run their lines. And then they'd sit down at night after shooting and it was done and be like, so what are you thinking when you, what am I thinking when I say this? What are you thinking when you say that? How do I, and then what if you turn away? Like yeah. all day long, every day, 15 times a day. And you God, know what? That makes me like, want to shoot something yeah dude it's uh it's amazing and then we the conversation continues after the 17 minute or 10 second continuous shot where we shoot to uh basically it's an over the shoulder we do over the shoulder shots of not quite not quite over the shoulder it's like a a medium close-up three quarters of michael fassbender cutting back to um liam cunningham who plays the priest and we get what is after one of the best dialogues I've ever seen, we cut to what is maybe my f- new favorite monologue, which is the full monologue. Mm-hmm. It talks about the dying full in the stream. There's a reason that we picked Michael Fassbender to focus on for a month. And I'd, I'd never seen Hunger, so I didn't know this was coming. I don't think we've seen Michael Fassbender do anything better than that. No. That full monologue is perfect. It's fucking, it's perfect, Carl. Yeah. It was like just staring at, I don't know, my, I, I tuned out watching it, just like, oh, it, it was in awe. The, 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 there's, it's like what you watch Michael Fassbender go away. Mm-hmm. It's, it was watching it cause you know, the script is written by, uh, Enda Walsh. It's written by a man who is not Michael Fassbender. Right. These are not his words. This is not his story or his experience. And it perfectly, it's such a, and also outside of the performance for a moment, it's such a perfect coup de gras or like final, because they've been going back and forth. Michael, the whole scene is Michael Fassbender tells this priest, I'm going to start a hunger strike and I'm going to be the first one to start it. And the priest is like, well, what does that mean? And he's like, well, it means I'm I'm gonna, There's a good chance I'm, I'm going to die. die. I'm probably going to die. And when they do, when they interview Michael Fassbender, he's like, he knew, I, he's like, I think he knew right away that, I think Bobby Sands knew when he started this hunger strike that he was going to die. Right. He's like, he knew he was done, that this was the end for him. And he wanted it to mean something. So the priest is like, that's suicide. And he, you can tell the priest has some feeling for Bobby. So he's like, I don't want you to do this. You're religious. I'm religious. Suicide's kind of, I don't know if you know this, a yeah. big deal. It's you're, one of the big sins there. Yeah, but. it's one of those, like, you're damned forever mm-hmm. if you do that. So the priest tries to talk Bobby out of the hunger strike, and Bobby's trying to... You all, you get the sense that there's two things going on with Bobby's dialogue. One, he's trying to convince himself that what he's doing is right. Yeah. And two, he's trying to rationalize to the priest the, the reasons for doing what he's doing mm-hmm. to see com- and that's another reason why this works is there's two conversations happening at, at the, the same, same time. time it's not just dumb dialogue back and forth no, everything there's purpose with everything yeah every and everything's layered mm-hmm. i say something but what i'm implying is this and then you respond to the implication rather but than what also, i said right, yeah. yeah it's it's really really interesting it's beautifully written and that full, it's like mammoth writing, dude. It's it like is fucking unbelievable. I think this is better than man. Like I'm yeah, a huge mammoth fan, but, but this, this is, is like, this is something else. This is like a, a notch, a notch above. up. Absolutely. It's fucking weird to say. Cause it's like, yeah. And don't get me wrong. I love Oleana. Oleana is one of my mm-hmm. favorite plays of all time. It, I think it's incredible. And it, was one of me and birds. First arguments came out of Oleana. That's the end of that is really controversial. <laughs> but anyway, 
the the full the full monologue is the perfect like boom the last stone you drop in the bucket and there's nothing that can come after it because when you hear the full monologue suddenly all of Bobby's motivations become crystal yep. clear and there's you even the priest realizes yep, it. That, that's it oh yeah. my god after I want to talk about the performance but when we cut back to Liam Cunningham as as father Dominique Morin we cut back to him and he is there's like 40 seconds of him just looking at the table and then looking up at Bobby and he opens his mouth to take a breath and then he looks like he's going to say something and he closes his mouth (laughs) again. They let him, they let him just act for so long. Like what anyone who's never shot anything might, but like 40 seconds shooting with nothing happening, no dialogue. That is a long time. And God Bless Steve McQueen and so Sean Bobbitt. Film keep going. That's ah. that's what it is, man. You God. get that camera rolling and you trust your actor yep. because, and then your actor's trusting your director to. I mean, it's the absolutely whole, that that relationship is so because he's sitting there, amazing. And, yeah, he's he's sitting there, and he you watch him, you watch, you can see what he's thinking, you can see you can, he's going through his head and some of what he's doing. You're not quite sure what his thought like. It's it's a real person's reaction that they let him work, man. Yeah, they let him sit and work, and they're like, "Keep rolling, keep rolling." No, he's doing fine. He's he's he, finding a moment. He's there. He's yeah, in this, he went he went the whole distance, and they shot it, and then finally he's like, "I'm gonna leave." That's all. Like we've that we've clearly, we've reached, clearly the reached the end, end of, of this discussion. Yep. So I'll leave my cigarettes, and I don't think I'm gonna come back. Right. And Bobby goes, "There's no need." Yeah, fuck. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's I also abs- want to go watch this again. I kind of do too, man. It's- <laughs> I'll be in a really weird headspace for my show tonight, but that's kind of okay for the show. Yeah, dial dial that up, man. Like, Fuck. if if there's anything that's going to rip you to pieces, it's this it's movie. It's this movie, yeah. Um, then we get after what a ballsy move, by the way. It's immediately after the super long shot. We see the piss in the halls, and we see this, this, the guard come down and bleach the halls. He does the, he cleans the entire floor. Yeah. We see about 100 yards of cell block, and he walks from one end to the other and bleaches over the piss, and then walks back to the head of the cell block and picks up like a broom slash rubber scraper. Yeah. And he starts going, and he just keeps, he's basically brooming all of the piss down to the end of the hall just to clean the floor. Clean the floor. And he keeps doing it and keeps doing it and keeps doing it. And we don't cut. We watch him clean the, the entire, entire hallway. hallway. It Again, after watching a 17-minute continuous shot, a McQueen's like... A shot of a floor being... A floor being cleaned. Here's and, and McQueen's like, okay, here's five more minutes of static shot. And I, I'm telling you, this for people who don't watch a lot of like arty art, movies art, or yeah, whatever, yeah. this sounds like excruciating, but it's genius because... That scraping, I wrote my, my note is the repetitive scraping scrapes on us mm-hmm. as them. Yeah, because you imagine that scraping sound again. That it's just like like, pfft, like nails pfft, on a chalkboard. It's after point. a while it yeah. becomes so repetitive that you're just like it's got to stop sooner. Please I'm stop gonna that lose sound. my mind. And yeah. you realize that all these people in the cells are listening to it too, and it becomes this amazing metaphor for just the monotony of. They resist and we grind them down. They, they resist. They resist. We grind them down. 
And then what a genius idea. When he gets to the end of the hall, we don't leave the hall. We go back to the beginning of the hall and shoot just the floor where like stuff's drying and we see puddles and it's black. The floor is black. And we do this tracking shot looking down and we keep hearing the scrape, 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 scrape. And over it, Margaret Thatcher's voice. Margaret Thatcher's voice scrapes the way that that broom broom was scraping. scraping. And you realize, like, she, she's become the equivalent of a... Her voice becomes the equivalent of a prison guard mopping piss off the floor. Not even mop is scraping. God, and the sentiment of that particular line, that that's hers, where these violent men have decided to turn their violence on themselves. I'm Margaret Thatcher, everyone. I'm just yep. so fucking infuriating. Like... Yeah. If there's one part of this movie, like not the documentary brings a whole level yes. of fury with it, but if there's one part of this movie that every time it popped up made me just want to like Thatcher's voice. Every time Thatcher, yeah. they do they they play clips of Thatcher speaking as voiceover in the movie. Every time Thatcher's voice pops up, I yep. just wanted to punch a wall. Yep. Immediate, immediately angry. By the way, Thatcher's voice is an immediate prelude to seeing Bobby in a hospital bed. That's the next thing we see. They're they're um, disinfecting the the bed sores. The bed sores on his back, and uh, he is so. They give him. They take blood, mm-hmm. and then he gives him a piss sample. But there's not a whole lot of water in his kidneys to yeah. do piss with. And then that's when we see him putting his shirt back on. We talked about we because we did um, we did it in the main season, right? The um, machinist. The, the machinist. Yep, that was in March Madness. God. People talk about the physical transformation of the machinist, but yeah, Christian Bale's weighing eighty-five pounds. Or Christian whatever, yeah. Bale definitely is skinnier than Michael Fassbender got in this movie, but, but he got Mike, disgustingly. Skinny. Michael Fassbender got that. Well, he was on a medically monitored crash diet mm-hmm. to, to shoot this. I did. There's only five bits of trivia on IMDb, and I read them all, <laughs> all baby, all five. But uh, part of what makes I think his is almost more upsetting because of the physical repercussions that come with it. The mm-hmm. bed sores is a big one. Yeah. Um, the bloody toilet. The shitting the, yeah, that blood in the toilet is like, oh man. Mm-hmm. And the puking. The the puking is bad. The um, Because you know he's throwing up pieces of him at that point like yeah well, well yeah when you're starving you're you're eating and your body's eating anything it can including itself yeah but when he th- by the way we still have the sympathetic doctor here the yes. nice doctor um and so michael fassbender tries to stand up off the toilet and the doctor catches him and brings him back to bed um and then so i wrote down the 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 next thing we see is him in bed and a series of plates being set next I to the bed that. like the tray where it's like it's here's breakfast. some food here's Dinner. some food breakfast and it's always top. fresh they yeah. keep fresh food next to his bed and they're like if you just anytime you want to and that's eat that temptation there to eat when you're starving and you know what's really crazy about that is the food they pick because it starts with like here's and eggs egg and bacon toast. and yeah. sausage yeah. and we have some toast and butter and coffee and then the next one's like well here's some scrambled eggs and some some sauce some sausage and, patties yep. and then it turns into like here's scrambled eggs and a little bit of water and, uh, and then it's almost like this apple like toast with a little bit of jelly. Yeah. At one point it's just, here's some toast. Yep. And by the last, the last food we see when he, that scene where he throws up and starts hallucinating the birds is like gruel. 
or yeah. cottage cheese. They're like, he can't he handle can't. any real nutrition, but maybe if he eats a little of this gruel, we can maybe wean him back from, th- he's very close. It's because yeah. you can't, the food is so ominous. I, re- I remember in watching a, 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 a documentary about Gandhi, the, the movie Gandhi in particular with Ben Kingsley. Yeah. Um, Cause he actually, Ben Kingsley fasted during this and during the shooting of Gandhi. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can't, once you get past a certain point of fasting, you can't eat, you have to start on like water and then like plain bread. Is, That's is what they did low. with the, the guys from Alive, the mm-hmm. people who crashed in the plane. Um, they all got really sick because some, some nurses snuck in cake for them. Oh no, dude, you get incredibly ill. Yeah. Your body's like, the fuck am I supposed to do with this shit? Cat, you, I have been living on 80 calories a day and you yeah. just gave me 1500 calories. Yeah. You almost you can die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, a bunch of a bunch of the Holocaust survivors, uh, people in uh, people in um, like, concentration oh my God, camps. They just want to feast and put all well, the, the food in their mouth. The prisoners or the the soldiers who rescued them were like, "Oh shit, you guys are starving. Here's candy bars and MREs." And a bunch of them got really ill, and some of them died from food. Yeah, <laughs> which is fucking awful. And when you see when you see how wasted. Away, Michael Fassbender is there. The scene when he the the oh my god, the scene. There's a bunch of scenes before this scene, or a bunch of little uh, tableaus yeah, yeah. or or vignettes before this moment. But the scene when he stands up in the bathtub. No, I don't want to skip to it. I want to. Yeah. I want to give it its due because that is again. I think that was probably the la- not the last time, but like I cried hard during that, dude. Um, the scene where they're changing the bedding. And they and strip the, they, Well they strip back the sheet And it's gone through Into the mattress So they just flip the mattress And then they resheet it And they put down um, Like a Like a, a sheepskin A sheepskin yeah They put down a uh, I think it's a sheepskin So that they can So that he has something Under his shoulders Like something softer Because The sheets are too the rough are And they're rough. like Rubbing his His sores open And then Man there's a shot Right after that Where they lay him back in bed and it's sunset and it's that yellow light and there's a low angle and we talked about it in shame they shoot michael fassbender's face for so long that it stops looking like a face face. this is just lighting and angle but the way they shoot michael fassbender it looks like a dead body yeah he's still alive at this point it just it's but his breathing is so shallow it's he's it's exhausted and emaciated and yeah yeah basically from this point on in the movie this shot in particular and the last shot where he dies and he, his, he lets his breath out and a, that one tear rolls mm-hmm. down his eye as he goes still. That shot and this shot here with the yellow lighting and the really gaunt face is pro- like among the most haunting things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You, it's, it's really insane by the way for those of you listening from this point on there's there's it's impossible to add levity to the film yeah it's just so the rest of the movie's so utterly heavy you're watching someone slowly die yeah by choice by choice for their principles Mm -hmm. which makes it even harder yep and they're and the worst part from any of the ugliness of it and no they 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 underscore the ugliness of it which is important. And the, the thing that really gets me when I think about it is it's not like this man's principles are like, well, we demand that the streets be paved with gold. No. Nope. All he wants is to wear his own clothes. Yeah. And this is happening because Realistic, some fucking permed yeah. mm-hmm. snaggletooth bitch in England 
is saying, well, no, I don't think I don't think so. Yeah, that couldn't be. That's not proper. It's I cannot divorce my anger Mm-mm. from this bit of the film. The rest of the movie is pretty easy. It, not easy, but the rest of the movie can be watched as art, just as art yeah. on its own terms. But there, when you see this yeah. level of, and of it's not when you realize it wasn't just him that died. Ten, ten more. Uh, ten. One, to, was it ten total? I think ten total. Right, so nine more people are gonna die in order. Like they, there were two weeks between every, each one starting Every two fast. weeks, someone starts a new fast. And they, they did that because uh, sev- the first time... They tried they, it. The first time, it was like, well, it couldn't let the weakest one die. And then it was like, what, what are we going to do yeah, here? We're seven, all fucking... Seven men started at once, and they all got like totally weak, yeah. and one of them was dying. So this time, Bobby goes first. Two weeks later, another guy. Two weeks later, another guy. And then we find out when he's talking to the priest that 75 men volunteered to do yeah. this. Knowing what the ultimate... You could have... Yeah. If, if it hadn't... It did end at 10 people... But if it hadn't, this this could have been people starving to death for years. Mm-hmm. Because you learned that, I mean, he lasted 66 days. Yeah. He lasted 66 days. We, in the documentary, were you here when they showed the body of one of the, the, the people who no. died? Okay. The, uh, the guy who died, the last of them, the last of the hunger strikers to die made it 60 days. Fuck. So pretty much every two months. You'd have... Eventually, we get to the point where because everyone makes it about the same amount of time, you'd have someone die every two weeks. Every two weeks. You'd get to a point where every two weeks, there'd be another person who starved to death because the British government's being, un- being unyielding and unreasonable. And you got to rem- and the important thing to remember about the hunger strikes just in general is they weren't saying we're going to hunger strike until Ireland is free. They no, were saying they we're going to hunger we strike until five, we get our clothes, our clothes and more letters. Yes. And, and go outside and play ball or whatever. Like the, Their ultimate goal was to be recognized as political prisoners. Right. How? Yes, that is a concession, but... Oh, man, that's mm-hmm. infuriating. Absolutely infuriating. Um, so the the bath scene, this is something I wanted to talk about, and it's a good time to talk about it, too. We see the, ni- the good doctor, I'll call him the good doctor, sitting in a chair, and Michael Fassbender's just listless edge of death in a bathtub. Soaking in water, and this big burly motherfucker comes in, and he's like, gives the gives the doctor the nod, and the good doctor is very. You can see he's very reticent to leave. Yeah, he does. Yeah, Uh, mm -hmm. so he leaves, and he's like, "Well, I got no choice. My shift is over." Yeah, yeah. So he pieces out, and they'd pat him down and check his mouth, and he leaves because. And by the way, I think that pat down shows us why he was. Escorted out, which they, is I, they I think suspect him sympathies. of passing and yeah, being sympathetic. So uh, another doctor sits down and he rests his hands down. So do you know the the UDA? Who the UDA are? The uh, they're the Ulster Defense Association. The tattoos on his knuckles. Okay, yep. Okay. So the Ulster Defense Association were a uh, a local group in Ulster that stood a, opposed to, to the provisional yeah. IRA. So it's an anti IRA paramilitary group Fuck. they're vigilantes essentially they're they're vigilantes and in that's Ulster. the that's the new doctor that's, that's the doctor they got to over fuck man. and fast this is fastbender sees the tattoo on his knuckles and he turns his head away and then he gets out of the tub i mean look he's he's like a day from death we're not long after this is where michael fastbender dies mm-hmm. or bobby sands dies michael fastbender <laughs> just fine <laughs> knock on wood but uh 
he sees this fucking guy who he knows is essentially direct opposition, his sworn enemy against everything he believes in. And he doesn't like, look, I know we have our disagreements, but can you please help me out? He stands up and he gets his back straight and his chin up and looks at him. Then he blacks out and falls on the floor. But that's not the important part. The important part is that Bobby Sands stands up in that tub and looks this fucker in the eye. Yep. With his last ounce of strength, man. Yeah. That, that, that is my favorite moment in this film. It is also one of the most heartbreaking. Yeah. But the fact that, and he's naked and he's emaciated and he's covered in sores and he's been shitting blood and he manages to scrounge together his last and ounce of strength up. and his last tablespoon of dignity and square up with this guy. Like, what, you think? You think I'm? You think you, I'm? You beaten? think I'm done, dude? You think I'm, I'm beaten? Done. I'm not done. Fuck you! <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, we do get nice doctor back, mm-hmm. and the next time we see him, he's putting a frame, a skeleton frame, over Michael Fassbender because the blankets are too heavy and he can't breathe when the blankets Isn't are. Isn't that fucking insane? Because that's how far gone he is. That's how emaciated he is. At this point, I don't think there is any coming back. He's nope. dead. Michael Fassbender's yeah he may be still breathing but there's no this he's past the point of no return as far as there's no you can stick an IV in him no his body is shot eaten away it's shot yeah there's there's all of his his organs have shot shut down there's a really hard scene but a a good scene where his parents show up and they set up and they set he's their dad start his dad starts unpacking their stuff they're gonna he's dead so they start setting up the death vigil yeah. In the prison they, They're they staying in a hospital suite Of two beds And they start unpacking their stuff And dad's unpacking Mom goes over and sits next to the bed And we talk a lot We have in the past Talked a lot about eye acting We And Tom Hardy comes up And Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. comes up Michael Fassbender's eye acting There's a super close up of his It's like a macro shot of his eye Like fluttering open And failing to focus And wandering around the room He's, a, he's, he's forcing his pupils to do things I don't, I don't even know, know how what he's doing is possible so yeah we're gonna add Michael Fassbender to the pantheon of insanely talented eye actors yep we've we've got a folder full of them. yeah put him on the put him on the Mount Rushmore of yep. eye acting because when he looks at his mother and by the way I think seeing his mother is what allows him to let go yep because now this is where he dies yeah he sees his mom. He's like, okay, I'm okay to go now. And then we flash. Yeah. Oh God, what a beautiful. By the way, the again, Bobby and... no dialogue at this point in the movie for quite no, a while. No, I think that's we're done with dialogue until after he's dead. There's no dialogue after he's dead either, is there? Fuck no, there isn't. No, the last dialogue is when the doctor's telling at the beginning of the hunger strike. He's like, his kidneys could fail, and then his heart's gonna get weaker. And then there's no dialogue until the end of the movie. It's just him wasting away. It's all visual storytelling. I'm pretty sure, ninety nine point nine percent sure, there's no dialogue for like the last fifteen minutes of the movie. God damn it. Maybe ten. Might be the last ten. Yeah. But, but but after he starts the hunger strike and they explain the repercussions, it's I'm pretty the, sure there's no, we, no dialogue we just see at all. The no, of- that's not true. When the parents show up, they give their names. Oh yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So there's five words <laughs> in like the last ten minutes. But w- the the flashback to him as a kid uh, on the the cross country bus and shooting him running through the forest, which is a callback to the the day of the, the fall. The day of the fall. Yeah. And there's a great line in that earlier monologue where he says the, the forest and the stream was like the Amazon dust kids. So it's this unknown. And we see this young 
young Bobby Sands running through the forest and it's beautiful. The forest is beautiful, but it's also dark. So it's, there's a touch of that. that it's like the golden hour. The sun mm-hmm. is setting. It's, it's gorgeous. And he's struggling and he's running and he's running and he's tired. He's exhausted. And then young Bobby Sands stops running at the edge of the darkness right before he's going to run into the blackness of the forest. And you get the sense that young Bobby is physically exhausted. And you realize that now Bobby Sands is physically he's reached the, his limit as yeah. well. And young Bobby looks back <laughs> and we cut to the present and it's a downward shot of Fassbender taking his last, last breath. breath. Fuck, man. And he, that, and he dies. It's the end of the movie. Guys, spoilers. Bobby spoilers. Sands doesn't get up and Northern Ireland doesn't become a free republic getting out from under an oppressive British reign. No, Bobby Sands starves himself to death. That's the end of this movie. Followed by nine others. Followed by nine others. Um, but what a... Fassbender's performance in the end is amazing and Steve McQueen's directorial sensibilities, the way that he frames things and composes mm-hmm. his shots together is amazing. Sean Bobbitt's angles and eye are amazing. And I was wondering last night before I started this, watching Hunger, I was like I wonder why Steve McQueen's other movies don't have Criterion releases and this one does. Right. But after watching this movie and after having this no, discussion, you, you understand I why. know why Hunger yeah. has a Criterion release. There's a reason that this movie got this this treatment. This is amazing. This movie's amazing. You know what other movie is a Criterion? What? Mallrats. Yeah, you know, but but you know what movie is... Oh, no, I'm sorry, it's Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy is yeah. a Criterion release? Except for the one big scene in the parking lot, I think Chasing Amy's a pretty damn good. Armageddon movie. has a Criterion release. Yeah, that shouldn't have a that shouldn't have a Criterion. That was before release. they knew what they were what they were what they were. That they was had. a misstep. So. <laughs> Armageddon was a misstep. <laughs> Although in the history of cinema, I can see why Armageddon would be an important film. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of effects stuff that happens in that yeah. movie that's very ahead of its time. But. But this is the one. I mean, as far as like Criterion and uh, the Criterion, the Criterion yeah. we think of. Yeah, exactly. You know, like when when you and I think of Criterion, we're not like no, we're we should watch Armageddon next like, year. Yeah, we're thinking of Night on Earth. Yeah, and the, the, Videodrome yeah. and The Fly and exactly. and this and Hunger. You know, and uh, Tulane Blacktop has a Criterion yes, release, it sure does. which is a good choice. Like, but man, Hunger is such a powerful film. It's it's in it's really impressive. Like sometimes you run into a movie and you're like, well, yes, I'll tell you. I just went and saw you know uh, whatever the fuck new popcorn movie and it yeah. it was pretty powerful. No, no, you don't know what a powerful movie is until you've seen this, this or out. Seven yeah. Samurai or there are there's a there's a certain caliber of film that is very seldom achieved or reached and this is among those Uh, absolutely 100 percent like okay thinking back over season one the searchers man who shot liberty valance uh only lovers left alive probably night on earth outside of that i can't think of any like the movies we've watched are great i love them all but those movies are are in a certain caliber and i'm not i'm not even sure that hunger isn't a Oh, above uh, in, those in too. Above. Yeah, it's amazing. Like it's really Straw Dogs. I think. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Straw Dogs is another transcendent film. A film that can't help but like disgust and offend you, and yeah. is so, but is so powerful that you can't deny Unless its, it's, a, its achievement. Physical reaction. Yeah. From... Yeah. Well, okay. So that's that's all I've got for hunger. But 
I'm really glad because that's it, guys. We just we, did we Steve did McQueen's first three films. Fucking amazing. And he's got a new one coming out real Widows, soon. Baby, we're going to go see that yep, shit in theaters. Doing it. We might do a special episode where we watch the flick and come and chat about it. First time we would ever have done that, but you know what? And I if think if we're going to do one, be worth it. Steve, yeah, Make Steve it be McQueen. Steve McQueen. Fassbender in this one, too? No, but Liam Neeson is. Dude, another big dick. <laughs> Well, what about, well, not That's a how dick. Steve McQueen casts people. Dick. Large penis. <laughs> large, large Irish penises. Large Irish penises. Steve McQueen's just like, look, I need a, I need a leading man. Um, so take your pants off. <laughs> ah! <laughs> your hog is giant. <laughs> Into the lead you go. But however, that is actually that's interesting because you know who's another tr- like transcendently good actor? Liam, Liam Neeson. Neeson. Yep. <laughs> that's what it is. You just need a giant dick to be a good actor, and that's why you and I'll never make it in this Fuck, business. Fuck, I'm so I'm screwed. <laughs> Dude, I don't even get commercials <laughs> Like local commercials <laughs> You know You know I think I could star on a public access show be, Yeah Or like do a Like Hi my name is Max Peterson And I have genital warts <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Like one of those <laughs> Do you ever get home And your butt itches Gold witch, bond witch For the working man's right? ass Like that <laughs> That is That is our That's, yep, that's our lot that's in our life That's our wheelhouse Right there man Uh yeah So let's Thank our patrons And get out of this oh, Joint Ah uh, you wanna start No Let's do it different This Darnell? time Darnell No start with the people I always thank first We'll, oh. we'll flip it We'll oh swoop gosh. it around let's, uh, I'd like to thank John and Casey uh, Shiby On the NYC That's Yeah man thank, thank you guys so much I can't wait to meet y'all Eventually, yeah, Eventually. It's, it's gonna happen. I can't. Well, I can't. We can't do this without you. We really can't. Yeah. Uh, I would also like to thank uh, Daniil. <laughs> oh, uh, wasn't that an embarrassing moment? <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that last time <laughs> in the crowd. So we'd like to thank uh, Daniil Pelshaw, um, Carl's girlfriend, and then we would also like to thank Danielle Pelshaw, who is Carl's fiance, yeah. who he didn't not, thank. Not the dirty whore that I the, thanked in the program yeah, last night. That, that <laughs> awful, filthy slut, Daniil. <laughs> You've been she, after the show. She's like, "Who the fuck is Daniil?" <laughs> Shouting out your side chick in the program, Carl. That's a ballsy move, man. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you gotta treat him like hoes, man. <laughs> It's like a strong hand. A strong hand. <laughs> so don't make don't make me show you the backside of my hand. <laughs> so thank you, uh, Danielle Pelsha. You are always welcome in my home. But after what happened last time, I can't let Danielle through this door <laughs> no. again, man. Oh, she's covered in diseases. It's horrible. Diseases and glitter. That, <laughs> that's all Danielle is. She smells like peppermint candy constantly. <laughs> Breath reeking of Doctor McGillicuddy's <laughs> latex. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she she smells like tagaderm <laughs> and preparation age. So thank you, Danielle Pelshaw. Uh, you don't even have a conversation with her without a dental tampon. <laughs> talk through your mouth. Yeah. Oh my god. So, yeah, she's not welcome here, Danielle. If you ever need like a place to get away from Carl safe, and Danielle's safe space. loud rancid sex, just come on over. Fix your drink. <laughs> um, but <laughs> some warm peppermint schnapps. You're welcome to the the decaifer collection. Oh my god, dude! I was laughing so hard I developed a sweater. <laughs> oh my god my brain just like broke did you see that i saw the needle snap I <laughs> my record was skipping real hard just now i couldn't get out of that it's like a record playing in an earthquake my face hurts <laughs> oh god
And uh, because <laughs> because that was just too funny, I'm just gonna flat thank thank you, Connor Sweeney. Sorry, you're just not as fun as Daniil. <laughs> not, not this week. Good but time, thank you girl. anyways. Yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, you can head on over to Patreon.com/slash Max Peterson if you want us to <laughs> make fun of you at the end of our episodes, or if you want to listen to the infamous season zero. Um, shout outs on the show, all that sort of thing. We got a lot of bonus episodes up there. Up there, we now do. Too. Yeah, we've we do uh, every every time we do a main season episode. If there are sequels or remakes, we do episodes for all of the sequels mm-hmm. and all of the remakes over on Patreon.com. I like our so. Dracula versus Dracula. That, that came was out really last. a cool, cool. episode. Yeah. yeah, I I had a lot of fun recording that, especially like listening to our brains break when we were when I listened to, to us back because occasionally I listen to our episodes and I just start yeah. laughing. I'm like, yeah, dude. We were fucking fooled, man. Yeah. Holy shit. Don't want to give it away here. But no, no, no. But it was really like Mandela effect <laughs> moment yeah. where we were like, wait a minute. Wait, what universe do I live in? <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, and then, of course, like, I actually listen to our episodes, too, but it's mostly the blood and concrete. Yeah, and, yeah it's uh, the fun that ones. sort of shit. Ooh, uh, we can cut. But we can talk later about something that we may be able to cast for two ply. Oh, that has a little <laughs> bit of a not Shelly Duvall-ness to her oh. was in the show last night. Uh, I think I might know who you're talking about, but we'll talk about it off right, mic. But enough. holy shit, if we could shoot Dubai, it's so fucking amazing. It might be come a reality, who knows? Oh my god. Well, we can only hope. Yeah. Uh, and if you can also only hope to send us some email, send it to measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. All right. So next month, l- less heart rending stuff. And more jingle bells more and, and shooty shooty bang bangs. Jingle bells, cigarettes, and with, uh, bullets. And with bullets <laughs> and or, uh, Christmas ornaments. Yeah. And a lot of uh, sacrilege and profanity. Yes. And so. crosses in pussies. Oh!